The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Oh, yeah! This is the Cigar Authority. Have uh, you any imported cigars? The authority on everything cigar in and out of the cigar industry. We're on a mission from God. With your host, a jelly donut, David Garofalo. How did it get here? Mr. Jonathan. I hear you. And I care. Barry Stein. I can use my spare glove compartment underwear as a napkin. And Ed Sullivan. They don't have a listing for Mr. Wonderful. What uh, spelling did you use? It's time to light them up. Smoke if you got them. It's time for the Cigar Authority. I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. Broadcasting live from the La Fleur Dominicana Cigar Sound Set. Today, we sat down with George Padron and his son, George Luis Padron Jr. for his first interview ever. We talked about the Padron brand and the man that created it and where it's going in the future. Welcome, everybody, to the Cigar Authority. And you're listening to the Cigar Authority, now in its ninth year of broadcast, making it the longest continually running cigar podcast. Awarded the Ambassadors of Cigars by Cigar Journal Magazine. Awarded the Top 10 Educational Podcast by Podbean four years in a row. The Cigar Authority is the most listened to podcast cigar podcast in the world cigar radio at its finest the cigar authority is a proud member of the united podcast network catch the podcast on demand at any time or our daily blog on the cigarauthority.com okay so i'm looking at the first cigar we're going to smoke today and it is part of the cigar authority care package and i i asked barry before the show i don't know if i ever smoked this before but i have but they actually changed the band slightly and i'm telling you talk about a cigar popping the look of this cigar is so elegant, so beautiful. Barry, what is this cigar? Well, yeah, definitely had a massive band change last year at IPCPR, and we are smoking the Perdomo 20th Anniversary Connecticut, which is manufactured in Nicaragua by Perdomo Cigars. We're going to light up the 6x56 Epicure, which features an Ecuador-Connecticut wrapper over binder and fillers from Nicaragua. As Dave alluded to, it is part of the Cigar Authority Care Package, and a single cigar will set you back 919 while a box of 24 is just $182.99, which is a savings of almost $38, or just over 17% off the single price at twoguyscigars.com. If you're too far away from a brick-and-mortar retailer that carries it, try twoguyscigars.com. That's the number two, guyscigars.com. It is beautiful. Not only does the band look better, it looks like the outside wrapper, the leaf itself, is so pristine, perfect-looking. Uh, I don't know. You just want to admire the look of the cigar. It's so beautiful. You, you know, I want to smoke it. If you look around the circle of the Perdomo in the center, it almost looks like there's diamond bezels in there. I know it. My it's God. This, I'll put this up against any band as far as aesthetically beautiful. What's a bezel? Not a bezel, but you know the, the little diamond chips around the face of a watch? There's a name for it. Not bezel. Bezel's the face of the watch, correct? I don't know. I've never heard the word bezel before. I thought I was going to learn something, and then... Mess, Apparently not. I used the wrong word, but it reminds me of the diamonds around the face of a watch. All right, let's give it a cut and light, see what it's all about. It's time to cut our cigar. The official cutting brought to you by, and this works out perfect, Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand, while all other brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. Excellence. So we're talking Nicaraguan cigars here today, and uh, smoking a Perdomo. Um, so what we did, 
Um, what are you getting? Molasses. Raisin. Molasses dipped in raisin? Now, who's the hawk for? That's me. Okay. Yours has your freaking name in it. How could you forget that? <laughs> Touche. Very clean tasting. Yeah. Not little tobacco dust or anything. As no. clean as can be. And one thing I'll say about Perdomo, and I'm not going to say that Perdomo is everybody's flavor profile, although they, they do have something for everyone. But you may not like Perdomo. But I, what I can guarantee when I put a Perdomo in someone's hand is the cigar is going to draw. Guaranteed. And we it's going to burn. Yeah. And all of that's going to happen properly. Speaking of happening properly, today we're going to light our cigar with the big and proper Big Buddha by Vertigo. This $39.99 lighter features four jets, a flip-out bullet punch, an easy adjustment wheel underneath with a cover so that your fill tube doesn't get all junked up with the, you ready for this? The schmuckus that comes off of your cigar when you cut it with the bullet cutter. And then you got it's a like single a action. It's beveled schmuckus. Beveled schmuckus. I don't know what that. I don't know whatever bevel is. We're just making up words today. So this is the Vertigo Big Buddha at $39.99. I resemble this Did I lighter. say bevel or did I say bezel? Bezel? You said bezel. Yeah. Okay. okay. And bezel is correct. For the term of the jewels or not, the face not, of the watch? No, it's the part around the face of the watch. There you go. It's a grooved ring holding the glass or plastic cover or watch face or instrument in a position. So, Jonathan, on my watch, it's the green part on the outer rim of the watch. And it's not what you thought it was, which was the shiny. Well, that's the part that's holding down the glass, and they put the diamonds around it to give it more of a pop. Ah, What is the um, glass called? That I couldn't tell you. The face. No. No, the face is the Isn't numbers. Isn't it the crystal? Yeah, you I know. like that. It's the crystal of the watch. Today's jewelry authority is what yeah. it is. <laughs> the watch authority. What the hell? Well, Nick Perdomo is a watch collector. Yes, he is. Watch collector. Sports memorabilia as well. Yeah, but I mean, he's got some watches. Like crazy watches. Yes, he does. You ready to say who, whose watch? Is that what you're going to go with there? Nope. Sammy Davis Jr.? Nope. I wasn't saying anything. Okay. He's got some great watches. All right. So we had an interesting week. We had uh, George Padron come visit us and George Padron Jr. Uh, that is um, George Padron's son. And he's actually in college here in the Boston area. And um, I said, geez, why don't you just come up and we'll have a little get together. And he visited the stores. And then after hours, we had a little get-together up here because 19 years ago, we had a little get-together. And I thought, without him even realizing what this was all about, I figured, let me get the gang back together. Yeah. And uh, we'll all just sit. You gave a- me a list of people. Yep. Reach out to these people first. And then uh, add to it because, uh, unfortunately, some of the people 19 years ago have passed, yep. have moved away. Uh, or disappeared as far as uh, we don't see them at our cigar shop anymore for whatever reason that is. So um, George had, had come up and he said, how are we doing this? What am I doing? And I said, I want you to come up on the stage and sit here. He, oh, my God, I'm thing. And I said, I want your son here too. And the son was a deer in the headlights. 
what do, I, what do you want me to do? And I said, just come sit up here. We'll be able to talk to the audience a little better. Maybe there were 20, 30 of us uh, that were here. And uh, put the headphones on, and we're just going to talk. Why do we have to put the headphones on? I said, so they can hear us better. We can hear as it goes on. I don't want to put the headphones on. I don't want to do this. It was a little argument back and forth. Just please do what I'm asking, and uh, because I actually wanted to capture some audio. Mm-hmm. And we captured over two hours worth of audio, maybe three hours worth of audio. And they enjoyed it very much, and they're telling stories and all this. So what I thought is I would grab little clips from little parts of storytelling that went on and turn it into a show of itself. So this show today is going to be that sit-down we had with George Padron and his son uh, talking to the people uh, while we were smoking cigars and what, the, what it was all about. So I want to start with clip number one. Uh, it's an interview uh, sit-down. Um, smoking the Padron Millennium like we had done 19 years before with the same people along with some new friends. Dave, you love this shit, don't you? I love this shit. He I likes wearing it. these little headphones. and the. But I want everybody to be able to hear us. So first off, thanks everybody for coming today. Very special uh, time here. Not only do we have George Padron, we have George Padron Jr. here. His son, the next generation, hopefully. He's in... He's in college now, but uh, hopefully uh, we'll see him in the industry, I hope, I hope, uh, which is a good yep. thing for our industry. Um, so it was uh, 1999, and a handful of us that are here today got together, and we had a cigar dinner, a Padron Millennium cigar dinner at Morton Steakhouse in Boston. At the time, we could actually smoke cigars in Morton's, and we, we rented out the room, and I think there was 20 of us. And each person was going to get four cigars. And if you guys remember, you didn't know we had a special guest coming that night. But you flew in that day, and you flew out, I believe, that night. And um, I had everybody go around the table, introduce themselves, and say who they were, what they did. And then it came around the table all the way around, and it got to George. And I said, I'm going to introduce this guy next to you. And um, I said, this is George Padron from Padron Cigars. And to, to the amazement of some of the people that were there, um, they had no idea who he was. This was, you were very, uh, you were not the star that you were now, <coughs> right? They didn't know. You got to start somewhere, right? And uh, so it, w- it was an awesome night, and we smoked a cigar that was, at the time, I believe, the most expensive cigar on the market, a $30 cigar that came in this beautiful humidor, and that was the only way to get it. Now, I'm going to tell you a brief, brief story. The cigars came in, and I don't know if we got four or five of those humidors, and um, immediately, I'm a cigar geek, man. I couldn't wait to try what the cigar was all about. And I took a cigar out, and I cut it, and I lit it, and I went to the phone because there was no information on it. What am I supposed to sell this for? So I called you on the phone, and I said, uh, what's the story with the cigar? What am I supposed to sell it for? And you gave me the price of the entire unit. And I said, how much per cigar? And you said, no, no, no. You're not to sell this cigar by itself. It's only by the full unit. In the meantime, I got a cigar lit. And you said, do you understand? And I said, yeah, I understand. How many cigars were in the box? A hundred. A hundred. So I have 99 left because I ruined it. So That's because I knew you were going to have to buy another one now to, right? re- to restock that one. So we ended up selling the singles out, and I grabbed one of the boxes and, and said, okay, let's make a special dinner of this. And 20 of us got together and um, 
everybody got so many cigars. And at the end of the night, we did a raffle, and somebody won the empty box. His name was AJ. I haven't seen him since, I don't think. Uh, but a lot of you that are here were there. And here it is, 18, 19 years later, and uh, George says he's going to come up and have these cigars. These are the cigars, right? <clears throat> you know, the, the production of the, of the Millennium was 100,000 cigars, or, you know, 1,000 boxes of 100 cigars. When we produced them, we had to produce more cigars than what was going to be allocated for the production, for the, to sell in case a cigar broke or whatever. We had these cigars in the, uh, in the office. We had about, I don't know, I think it was like three or four, between three and 5,000 cigars that we had left. And my dad, who was constantly smoking these cigars, he's like, George, why don't we sell these cigars? And I'm like, Dad, we can't sell the cigars. We told people that we were going to sell. It was a one-time deal, never to be produced again. People are going to think that we're bullshitting them, that yeah. we're coming out with, you know. I, I just, I was afraid of the optics that people would think that we would be producing something, right. you know, to take advantage of that. He said, George, nobody's going to believe. Yeah. Don't worry about that. You know, let's. And what we've done is that we then packaged them in small packs of four. And uh, I really don't sell them. I don't promote them. But when good customers call and ask, I, you know, I offer them. Because it's not something that I'm interested in, in promoting on a, on a wide-scale basis, you know. So it, it's a rarity. And you're looking at what was a $30 cigar. And here's what, uh, what you want to invest in, I'll tell you, is invest in good cigars. Because it's a $100 cigar now. So that's pretty good in, in uh, eight is that good? 18 years of thirty dollars to 100. It's good, right? It's good. Um, so, without further ado, I think Ed passed these out to everyone. Do, what do they have? A choice of natural and Maduro. Yes. All right. So you'll see what they do. Which one should I try? It doesn't matter. I'm going to try what they're not going to. Is I'm going to go with a natural. I think. How about you guys? I'll take whatever. Do you smoke cigars? I do. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan, you get a Maduro over there. All right. Thank you. And I took the natural. And we're back live. Um, turns out there were 25 of us that were at that original Padron Millennium. Each person got four cigars. Just to recap on it, that was 100 cigars, and somebody won the empty box is how that ended up playing out. Uh, so here we are, and we ended up cutting the cigar, and we tasted the flavors beforehand. Uh, I got the natural. You, you got the Maduro, Jonathan, mm. right? Yeah. Um, and George ended up taking the natural. His son took the Maduro. That was our four-pack that happened up here. Yeah, I got uh, a rock. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you were didn't not, get one? I got a rock. You were not here. I was not here. You were not here. You had to be here. Um, but it, it was great. It was great to have a lot of the original guys. We had a big picture of um, a picture we took that night, and we blew it up and put it on the screen here, and everybody was looking at themselves uh, and uh, the, the friends that we lost along the way yep. and um, uh, lots of stories told about each people so it was a it was a great experience to go through that you did it in, in memoriam in memoriam all the people that are no longer with us like they do with the grammys and the oscars no no it was uh, that's the only thing i like about those award shows is seeing who died yeah yeah so what uh, we did was uh we asked a little bit for our homies and we pulled a barry <laughs> stein and just put it on the floor okay i do that on a daily basis for all yeah. my homies that have exactly fallen. so um you know you heard George say, whichever, I don't care which, which one. Uh, do you want natural Maduro? Whatever. Doesn't, totally didn't matter in the sun. I'm like, what do you want? Doesn't matter at all. Um, 
Padron is one of the only cigars in our stores that the Maduro outsells the natural. If somebody that has a natural Maduro, the natural outsells the Maduro. I, I follow these and track these numbers all the time. It's, it's a very rare thing that the Maduro outsells there. And I was wondering if uh, we were special that way or is that the way it is across the board that the Maduros outsell the natural. So here's clip number two. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Uh, I'll say at this store, the Maduros outsell the natural. Why is that? It's <clears throat> maybe the only brand that we have that the Maduro outsells the natural. The Maduro in, in the overall sales yeah. of the brand? Does that happen naturally um, or not? It, I'd say our sales are probably about 50-50. Really? Every okay. year I do the numbers and, you know, Maduro does sell a little bit. I mean, you're talking like maybe 52% of 48 <laughs> Uh, overall, um, I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't really don't have an explanation for that as to why that happens. I mean, in some sizes, in some cigars, like the 90th, for example, it seems like the naturals outsell the Maduros, but it's, uh, I think it's mostly just a matter of taste preference. Um, you know, the consumers also have changed a lot over the years. The Maduro has become a very popular cigar, uh, you know, back in, back in the late nineties and mid nineties. We didn't really make that many Maduro cigars, but we, well, actually, take that back. All of the cigars, that my, the Fumas, right. that when my dad sold, were all made with Maduro wrappers. Uh, so we've always made Maduro cigars, but we never, you know, when it came down to, to these lines of cigars that we introduced for the retail market, the Maduro little by little started to creep up, and now we're at this level, we're probably, you know, half and half. And is, the, is it the same tobacco? Yes, the same the tobacco. The natural and the Maduro same is the tobacco. same exact tobacco. It's color. Same tobacco. Okay. But different priming on the plant, right. and that affects the, um, you know, the, the tobacco itself. Now, when this came out, how old was the tobacco then? On the millenniums, 10 yeah. years. 10 years, 18 years ago, the tobacco was 10 years old, 18 years ago. So now you're talking about 28-year-old tobacco that's inside the cigar. That's correct. How old are you? Nineteen. Nineteen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this cigar came out before you were born. Came, came out using tobacco before they were even thinking of you. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty scary to think of. It's crazy. So this is a special cigar. So the first thing I'll, I'll, I'll ask you to do is actually smell the cigar, smell the, the body of the cigar, smell the foot inside, the different tobacco that's in there. And when you cut it, actually take a drag on it before you even light it. I can't remember what it tastes like. That was maybe the second millennium I ever had that night at that dinner, and maybe I had a, a third one another time um, at that time, and that was it. So uh, I don't remember. Um, does anybody rem remember? I remember it being a, a full-bodied cigar. Well, I was going to say that, um, you know, our company is known for producing cigars that are flavorful, but balanced. Um, we've never been uh, interested in producing cigars that are one-dimensional, strong cigars. I know that over the years that has become a trend where consumers and manufacturers are looking for the strong, strong cigar. Yeah. We kind of took a different approach there where we feel that uh, it, it, cigars are a components, the flavor in cigars are components of many different things. And the types of tobaccos that you put together in there and how you ferment them obviously will affect the outcome tremendously. The more 
fermented the tobacco is, the less strong the tobacco will taste, but the more complex it'll taste. Sure. So the, the for me and for, for my family and for my father, the challenge was always to produce the most flavorful cigar without making it a cigar that will hit you over the head with a hammer, you know, right. where you can enjoy it, you can, you know, enjoy the flavor, enjoy the complexity of the cigar, but not have a one-dimensional flavor. And um, that's probably one of the hardest things to do in producing cigars is to produce cigars that are complex and balanced. Anyone can make a strong cigar. The hard part is to make it where it's full-flavored and balanced and, and, and that it doesn't taste harsh at the same time. Yeah. All right, I want to light this up in honor of his dad. Um, for those that know, uh, we lost Jose Orlando Padron uh, this December. Um, and uh, as, as painful it is as your grandfather and your father, I think we all felt it in the cigar industry. So uh, let's light to in honor of uh, Don Jose Padron. Okay, we're back live, and uh, George was mentioning on there when they uh, first started making cigars, they were all Maduro, the Fumas. So you don't know what the Fumas cigar is. Those were cafeteria cigars. They were mixed-filled cigars in bundles, uh, Padron Fumas, and that was exclusively all they made. And in the little cafeteria stands, little windows that are in the... Uh, when you're down in Miami, we go get sure. coffee at. Yep. There'd always be a, an array of different cigars they would have. So you go get your coffee and actually buy a cigar. And they would, like, dollar cigars. That's what they were. And uh, not the prettiest-looking cigars that were going on, but the biggest-selling cigar that was going on there. And he, he talks later on about the millions of cigars that he was selling. He was making more cigars then, you know, maybe twice as many, 17 million cigars of these Fumas. That right. was the, the whole business. And then later, during the cigar boom, there they are early in the cigar boom, showing up at the trade show with the next generation of Padron cigars, which were regular, handmade. Well, th those were handmade cigars, too, but... In a mold, long better looking, right, right. more presentation. And that was the regular series with the Thousand Series and things like that. And then later on became the Millennium and things like that. Um, so um, that was how they had originally um, been out there since 19, you see, 1964 on the cigar bands of Padron, the 64 series. That's when he started selling cigars in the United States, 1964. The 1926 was the year he was born. So all these things have uh, something to do with, uh, with that. That ding-ding means it's time for the matchup of the week, brought to you by VS. VS means versus, but it stands for Victor Sinclair. Victor Sinclair Cigars. Who would win this hypothetical battle? Would you rather, would you rather go back to being 21 years old with the knowledge that you have now or go back to 21 with $1 million in your bank account? But either way, you're going to become 21 years old. I say this because there's uh, George's son uh, with the world ahead of him, um, Obviously, the parents are doing good, so here he is with, um, with the money, if he needed it, and go from there, or would it be better off if he had the knowledge? But I'm asking you personally, what would you rather do? Go back to being 21 with the knowledge you have today, and maybe it's not all that much, Mr. Jonathan, or with the million dollars in the bank account? A million dollars could buy you an awful lot of knowledge at 21. 
And I don't think that there's a huge difference between me now and me then. Really? Not a huge difference. And you're 40. Not a million dollar difference. I think I'd take the million. I think I'd take the million. Because my mindset at, at the age of 21 was that you could live off the interest of a million dollars. And back then you could. Maybe so, you could then, right? Because so interest is nothing now. I would, I would put it in, in a bank account, and I would still work. And but just, your bank account now, you got the million today. You're 21. Your bank account is doing nothing. In no, interest. you said I'm going back in time. No, I did not say you're going back he, in time. He never said that. That's why the knowledge is very important. So you wouldn't have understood that uh, back then, or you would not understand right. that if, now. If we were going back in time, it's simple, right? Because I'd know what to invest in right. coming up. Yeah. If you had the knowledge. I didn't have any money when I was 21, though. I wouldn't have been able to invest. Hmm. No, you would have bought the sneakers and the skateboards or whatever you were into if you could go back in time. But today, you turn 21 years old. What would you end up doing with that money? Spend it. That's why I'd, no, rather, have, I'd rather have the knowledge. I'd buy stock in Amazon right now. 21. <laughs> 21, I was all about spending money instead of saving money. So I'd rather go back with the knowledge. How is that different from now to it's, then? It's considerably different. Is it? Considerably. All I right. would absolutely love the knowledge I have now, yeah. and that's why you should listen to your elders and stuff. They're smarter than you, including myself. Because <laughs> I, I got almost 20 years on you. There's a lot, a lot of knowledge. If I was your age, I'd go back to 20. I mean, you're knocking on heaven's door right now, man. So yeah, thanks. <laughs> Ed Sullivan. I, I got to take the knowledge for right. sure, right? Knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. And Mr. Jonathan takes the money. Takes the, and that's why he Knowledge is power. I'm taking the money. Yeah. I'm not, not surprised. Not surprised. Going Steve answer. Miller, baby. Taking the money and I'm running. All right. Let's go back to Natural and Maduro. I found that uh, very interesting of, um, that it didn't matter to George Padron. And now I ask him, which one does he prefer? George, which do you prefer, the natural or the Maduro? I smoke them both. The natural and the Maduro in this. Beyond just quality control, if you had to pick one. I know they're both your children, but. I mean, generally, I smoke a lot of naturals. I think in this cigar, probably the Maduro. But not, I mean, I hate to say that because I don't want anyone to think that the natural is an inf inf inferior, but it just has a different, uh, I don't know if it's because of the aging the, the way that the tobacco has aged over time, you know, maybe the Maduro. I mean, I smoked the natural probably about a year ago, and to me it tasted practically the same as it did when, it, when we launched it. It, hasn't, it hadn't lost anything. Um, the Maduro, though, seems to have a little bit more, you know, more oomph to it. Now, these cigars, were these cigars rolled in Honduras? Some of them, I, and in those days we were producing in both Honduras and Nicaragua. Uh, I'm not sure in these that are here how that uh, played out, but we were we did produce yeah. them both. And it shouldn't matter, right? No, no. The tobacco was all the same. Yeah. Uh, it was just a matter of where the tobacco was allocated to for the production. But um, You would have it written on, on the bottom of the boxes, made in Honduras, <coughs> made in Nicaragua, and people were chasing one or the other. And it wasn't they were all chasing Nicaragua. In those days, Nicaragua wasn't all that either. Um, but it was both ways. Some people came in, do you have any Honduran ones of the regular lines? Do you have any Nicaraguan ones? And I'm like, it's, it's all the same. It is all the same, right? You can't underestimate the psychological right. component in, in sales, you know? Uh, and those are issues that you have to deal with. For at the beginning, 
you know, we originally when we when I first started working in the company, we were producing in both Honduras and Nicaragua. Then in 2007, all the production went to Nicaragua, 100%. So, but in those days, yes, that was an issue. Some people would say, "No, I want the one from Honduras. Yeah. I want the one from Nicaragua." And right. I had to tell them, "Listen, it's the same freaking thing. Yeah. It's the same tobacco. The only thing that's changing is where it's made." Right. So, you know, fortunately, people I think got over that. Uh, at least at the beginning and then at the beginning it was an issue but then after over time people began to realize that it was basically the same cigar right that was a great question you asked of him, you Dave. asked the question you it's got a it. great question okay you were jumping into so were people in the audience so you may not hear the question that happened and we just edited that out uh but questions well, came we in did start off with the blue ball and then people were talking into the back of it and it was yeah. like no you got to talk into the black part and right. it just was a whole thing so we're back live we're smoking the perdomo 20th anniversary connecticut what are we having for flavors here this is my favorite thing of the way that we're doing the format of the show today because during the time that george is talking i was already there so i don't need to listen i've been paying attention to the cigar like i normally can't Loving do the cigar. during the show yeah. so i'm treating this a little bit like a review for a yeah it is it's like a review for Cigar Journal magazine. I'm thinking about all the different notes that we have to take. For starters, I would have to give this full credit for being a slow-burning cigar. Yeah. We're, we're, what, a half an hour into the show right now, and it's one inch yeah. of ash, and that ash is on there. There's no flake to it. It's very firm. The burn line, that combustion line Mine is razor sharp. Mine only broke off because I banged it by accident. You dropped it. Yeah. Uh, I'm picking up notes of light roasted coffee, some white pepper, and maybe this is subliminal, Barron's. A little honey whiskey. You alcoholic. Really? You got anything there? There's some honey. I wouldn't say honey whiskey because to me whiskey always has a little bit of a bite. Not the honey whiskey. And though. there's no bite to this cigar. Uh, but I do get the honey. I get a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, toasted notes. Tell um, him he's out of his mind, Sean, that it's friggin' honey whiskey. See? He's tasting it. Yeah. We're all on board, Ben. He's not the cigar at It is bourbon <laughs> barrel-aged. He's, he's pretty damn good. The bourbon barrel-aged wrapper. Correct. That's on this. Even the Connecticut shade, right? Yep. Um, which is Connecticut or this Ecuador? Ecuador. It's Ecuadorian. It is so beautiful. I got to tell you, I'm glad it's part of the Cigar Authority Care Package because everybody out there uh, that's in it is listening in and they can uh, see Smoke it themselves. Yep. And they're, they're all wondering why Barry is just refusing to give me credit for nailing every single one of those flavor components. Nah. Don't want Sullivan to get it bigger it than it is. Yeah. Even Ed Sullivan gave it, it to me, and he hates hat. giving it to me. I do hate it. Speaking of Cigar Authority <laughs> Care Package, if you're not in, you can get in. We're still allowing people to jump into the Cigar Authority Care Package till Monday I thought we noon. stopped this already. Monday at noon. Eastern time. Eastern Ridiculous. time. Monday at noon, Eastern time. It's over. We're, we're, we're cutting our losses, and we're stopping it. I will. That's hit the, the maximum. Yep. Hit the button, and that's the maximum for the foreseeable future. We so Monday at lunchtime? Monday at noon. Yeah, so that, that'll be more than enough of that. Okay, let's take a break. And when we come back, a man's tattooed a picture of George Padron's father on his chest. The brand and the, me, and the man means a lot to him and to a lot of people. We'll find out why he did that and lots more. We're talking to George Padron and George Padron Jr. this entire show. And we're live in the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. And you're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. 
This is David Garofalo, and you've heard me say it over and over again for many years. Please support your local cigar retailer. And I mean it. If you don't buy from them, they will go away, and then what? There'll be no place to go. That being said, sometimes you're far away from any cigar shops or a place that doesn't carry the stuff you've been hearing about and you want to try it. That's where twoguyscigars.com comes in. It's the number twoguyscigars.com. And unlike most online cigar shops, at twoguyscigars.com, you can buy a single cigar of whatever you want. You don't have to buy boxes or even five packs and suffer through cigars you might not even like. One of this and one of that is acceptable, appreciated, and commonplace at twoguyscigars.com. That's the number, twoguyscigars.com. Thank you for your business. Ooh, we're gonna have fun. When the Cigar Authority returns on the United Podcast Network. There was a time when cigars were the hallmark of elegance and success. In this time gone by, the aficionado would revel in opening a beautiful box, only to find their favorite celebratory smoke emblazoned with a heritage-laden band. It's time to put the bundle down and travel back to this golden age. For your voyage, may we humbly suggest the only cigar worthy of being packaged in a handmade marble box. Berlin Wall Series from Hammer & Sickle. Live well. It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm -hmm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the Silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper. Fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lighting up the diamond crown. He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium diamond crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or diamond crown lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman's Garco or visit diamondcrown.com. I want to talk to you today about my friend Glenn Case from Christoph Cigars. I've known him for many years. Glenn is a very nice guy, one of the nicest guys in the industry. Always friendly, always happy. So when I heard his brand Christoph was pissed off, I was surprised. Christoph Cigars have always been known as smooth and rich, and the pissed off Christoph is just that. But there's something else happening here. A natural San Andreas wrapper, the binder, Indonesian, and the filler, Nicaraguan. And like Glenn Case, the cigar starts off sweet, but then it gets pissed off. And like Bruce Banner, you don't want to piss off Glenn Case about Kristoff cigars. Or do you? Expect some spins and a nicotine kick. Strap yourself in for a ride. Pissed off Kristoff is deceivingly strong. You've been warned. Sold in 10-count boxes, four sizes including Churchill, 6x60, Robusto, and Corona Gorda. The hottest new brand is the pissed-off Kristoff. Take it for a ride. Since 1964, Padron Cigars have had the same mission. 
with over 50 years spent to create a perfect cigar and more than 100 years to create a perfect legacy. The Padron family understands the significance of time. Padron delivers only the finest handmade complex cigars with the flavor of the Cuban heritage, out of which the Padron recipe was born. The Padron mission is simple, exceptional quality of their cigars and not the quantity produced. As a vertically integrated family-owned company, personal attention to every detail is taken in all steps of the tobacco growing and cigar making process. Padron Cigars, they give you the cigar smoker, the confidence that each cigar is the same. Perfect. Padron Cigars, handcrafted since 1964. I want to tell you about my friend Hochi Blanco, a fourth-generation Dominican cigar maker known for growing tobacco and producing highly acclaimed cigars for other people. If some things stay the same, other things have to change. Finally, Hochi's factory, Tobacalera Palmer, has produced the cigar that not only belongs to the factory, but pays homage to the cigar rolling room known as La Galera. The La Galera Connecticut blend is special, using an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper surrounding a Dominican blend of Piloto Cubano, Criollo 98, and a varietal that Hochi named T112. With the exception of the wrapper, Hochi grows all of the La Galera tobaccos himself and carefully watches over every step. The flavor, smooth, but still offering plenty of flavor in all sizes, paying homage to the people and tools used in the factory. Now for the amazing pot. La Galera, Connecticut has a suggested retail price ranging from $4.95 to $6 and has been awarded the Cigar of the Year by the Cigar Authority. La Galera, Connecticut, creating their own version of the Connecticut cigar because they demand more. This is George Padron from Padron Cigars. You're listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. And we're back live from the La Flor Dominicana Cigar Soundstage, right above Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire. Now in our ninth year, you can find the Cigar Authority on all social media. Please be our friend and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Welcome back, everybody, to the Cigar Authority. We're smoking the Perdomo 20th anniversary, Connecticut. Connecticut, right? It is the Connecticut. I'm changing my answer from before, by the way. Uh, I'm going back with the wisdom because I'm realizing if I was 21... And knowing what I know now, I would be buying double wides like they're going out of style and renting them out. Yeah. Double wide trails. That's my, that's my new dream. I want to reduce my living down into a double wide. But you want to buy lots of them. And I want to have multiples. Yeah. And then rent them out. Okay. I'll be the slumlord millionaire of double wides <laughs> in Salem, New Hampshire. Can you rent them out? Of course they, you can. Yeah. They're right. yours. Yeah. A lot of the trailer parks down here are owned by the property, not by the individual. Ah. And and you got to worry about when bad weather comes and they blow these things away. And in New Hampshire, not in New Hampshire, but that's no. I would Salem, New Hampshire. There's a. I was driving through it the other day. There's a trailer park over there. And there's like driving through that. You can't accidentally drive through that. You did no. I did it on purpose. I was early. (laughs) What's going on? But I'm looking at them and they're like little mini mansions. Columns in the front on the porch. I mean, it's awesome. He's but, just, you know, dreaming about the future. Dave. You wow. got a duck Does to the get Mrs. Snow. <laughs> she knows. She knows about my dreams. Yeah, uh, but you, you know, you got a duck through the doorways because they're, uh, you know, small houses. But whatever. <laughs> All right, let's get back to uh, Mr. Padrone. And um, when you have a brand, 
that people tattoo the name on. You got something. Holly Davison has accomplished that. But in the in the cigar world, there's not a lot of that going on. Uh, he was mentioning a few different people that he, that he knew that actually put the the logo of the Padron on their body. But this guy in particular has tattooed the face of not of his father, of George's father. This is not his father. Right. No relation. No, None whatsoever. No relationship going on there or anything. He met the guy, apparently, and the guy ends up tattooing a picture on him. We'll have that right here. Well, I don't know if he shared with you. There's a, a man that walked into his office this week to show him the new tattoo he got on his body, and he got a tattoo of his father's face on his body, and it's not his father. It's his father. It's that, amazing. I, I mean, I'm telling you, I almost started to cry when I saw that. I because, say. you know, my dad, he came to this country with nothing. Cuban immigrant. I mean, he starts his company with $600 and the dream of making the best possible cigar he can. And he dies at 91, 53 years later. And here we have a guy who, who had just met my father personally maybe, f maybe eight years ago. But he felt so connected to my father, not, not, not just because of the cigars, but for the person that he was and what he stood for, his principles, everything else. Yeah, real principle that he, guy. You know, he goes to that to do that. That is an amazing thing. I mean, you know, and my dad, who, who obviously never got a chance to see that, I, I keep thinking of what might, because I remember, uh, you know, his name is Mo, Mark Monica. Mark has a tattoo of the name Padron on his left, on top of his heart, okay? And now he put my dad's image on, on his other chest, on the other side. And I look at it and I say, Dad always saw the Padron one, and he always loved that. I mean, he, for him, you know, he was a guy from a farm. You know, my dad was a guy that, you know, he went to, he had an eighth grade education, you know, he, and he saw what he built. And to, I, I got to imagine that for him to see someone believe in him so you know oh to do that God. would have been such a rewarding thing you know that that's what <clears throat> you know my dad was not a, was not driven by money you know obviously money is important and you have to it, it's it's the basis for for running the business but it's not what drove him and what you know what drove my father was to see people enjoy his product you know and you could see that i i could see it i could see in how he lived his life he, he wasn't a person that you know, he, he lived way, way, way below his means, not above his means. And that, to me, you know, taught me a lot, actually. You know, and when I see a situation like this, where you have this person who is not related to us, who didn't know my father, who has nothing to do with us, and that he's willing to do that, that, I mean, he impacted that guy's life in some way. I don't know how. I mean, I, I guess I, I should ask him, you know, what, what was the connection? What would lead to do that? But, I mean, I got to believe is that he really believed in my father. He believed in him. He believed in his, through his product, he was able to get an appreciation for my dad that, you know, he didn't know him. He knew him personally, but not intimately, you know. I mean, listen, I, I was fortunate. I, I had, you know, I, <clears throat> when I graduated from college, you know, one of the first things that I realized was that I didn't know shit. You know, that I didn't know. I mean, yeah, I knew about that some you know, something, but I didn't know what it really takes to run a business like this. You know, a, a business like this is not just about the numbers. It's about the people. You have 1,100 employees in Nicaragua. 
you have 40 employees in the U.S., you have thousands of customers, and you have to know how to relate to people, not just in your factory, but when you're selling, when you're talking to people, how you present yourself. And I remember that I graduated from college, and I started going to Nicaragua right away. You know, I was never like a genius student. I, I was a, you know, C plus, B minus student. Yeah, he's, he's got to be an A student. And I actually tell him, I'm like, listen, I'm not worried about your grades. I'm worried about your effort. I want to see you work your ass off. And forget, you know, you go to school, you get the best grades you can, but you have to work your ass off. And that's one of the things that I learned from my dad. Then I started going to Nicaragua. I started realizing. The first thing I realized was that, you know, my dad was born in a small town in Cuba on a farm. He's in Nicaragua, similar environment dealing with a culture that is completely, you know, similar to what he used to live in Cuba, people that are not, in, for the most part, in schooling, they're not w super educated in terms of schooling, but they're very, you know, they're very smart, and they deal with things differently. You know, they're like street smart. Right. There's a big difference between street smarts and brains, in, in, you know, intellectual brain. I, I'd rather have a street smart guy that solves problems than a, one of these theory people that are full of shit that, that they look at the books and, oh, you got to do this this way. My dad would, you know, look at a problem and he would solve it in immediately. I mean, he just knew he, we got to do this, we do this. It wasn't like a schooling thing. It was just because he had the experience. And I saw him dealing with people there. I saw him doing all these things. And I'm like, man, I am screwed here. I don't, I'm trying to put myself in this situation. What would I do? I had no idea. So that was the first thing I learned. I go, I got to start going to Nicaragua. I got to be this guy's shadow. I can't say a word. I just got to stay quiet and listen. And that's what I did for all these years, you know, 20, 25 years. It took me probably about 15 years to really gain his trust, you know. I mean, he always trusted me, but there's a difference. You know, there's a trust and then there's trust. And, you know, I earned that trust. And that was because I immediately understood what I, you know, the, the, the difficulties that I may face. And now that my dad's not around, I go to Nicaragua and I see myself in the same freaking situations that I was in 25 years ago, sitting next to him saying, shit, what am I going to say now? Now I know what to say because I remember. And I, all I got to do is think back and say, well, what, what would dad do? And I know. I, I mean, I, I could... I, I got to know him so well that I could probably say what he was going to say before he said it. And that, to me, is the most valuable thing that I, that I got from my dad. We're back live. We're talking to George Padron, and uh, sitting right next to him is his son, George Luis Padron. And right? before we get into yeah. that next clip, what I found fascinating about the interview with George, and you'll hear, like just in that last clip that we played, he is in one part telling the audience he's telling us absolutely what he wants to tell us but the other part and you can hear how he's talking directly to his son, son sitting beside work him. your ass off and this and, is how i did it and i became successful and, follow and, that example and keep your mouth closed and, yes. and listen to me yes. and his son was doing that he was very good was going so we had to actually draw some questions to him to try to get him to say something but he heard his father loud and clear. loud and clear it was just reminding him right shut your mouth and listen to what i'm saying here so you know we took it off at that point and said okay let's try to get something out of the sun so is george's son george luis uh the next one uh, is he going to be next that's the question well i mean it's this is not an easy business you know and you have to be committed, 
you know, he's my son, but you know what? At the end of the day, he has to know what needs to be done, and that's the difference. Because the fact that he's my son is not, does not mean that he's going to be given. I mean, my dad didn't give me shit. I earned it, you know, and he wanted it that way. It is the only way. I mean, if you start giving and you're not earning, then you're in trouble, and that's the problem. And, uh, you know, my dad was very fair. I mean, my dad was very, very fair, always, you know. And uh, he had a temper. I mean, my dad was, he was a tough man. I mean, he was raised, you know, tough. I mean, he, my dad didn't, he never got sick. He never missed work. He would wake up at 5 in the morning. He would eat, you know, all the pork fat and black beans and rice, like everything that the doctors tell you not to do, my dad did it. He would eat sugar, like straight out of a bowl, like like this. I mean, he loves the thing. I mean, it was a different way that he grew up, you know. And um, I remember he would tell me things, and I would say, Dad, what the hell are you talking about? I mean, you're crazy. He's like, no, 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 this is, gonna be, this is how we're going to do it. And it's going to be like this. And then he would keep insisting, insisting, insisting. I would try to convince him otherwise, and he would still keep insisting. And at the end of the day, when we were done, it would be done right. right. And I'd say to myself, shit, man, I would have fucked this one up big time. You know, because I would not have done this this way. But he knew, I mean, he kind of saw, like, it's like playing chess, I guess. You know, you're thinking like five moves ahead. And he had that ability. You know? One of my first trips to Nicaragua, you know, we were going to, to Jalapa. Jalapa's like, a, you guys, some of you that went to Nicaragua went to Jalapa. It was a freaking mission to get out there i mean the unpaved roads i mean it could take it's 130 kilometers it would take you almost four hours to get there there's no like rest stops you know like what you see here and we're you know we're on this thing and we wake up like at five in the morning to go and i you know i'm not like programmed right so i i, I don't go to the bathroom at that time so we're halfway there and i'm like dad i got you know i gotta go to the bathroom he's like he's like you gotta go to the bathroom He's like, no, no, you got to program your ass to shit at 5 in the morning, buddy. You can't shit. And then, if you're going to shit out here, you're going to shit out in the, in the trees out there. <laughs> that's a, that's just, he just, and he said it seriously, you know, like he wasn't joking. He's like, you better program yourself to shit at 5 in the morning, man, because there's no bathroom out here. It's wise, wise words right yeah, there. Yeah, we're, we're, we're back live. And, um, you know, I, I got to spend some time with um, his dad uh, in Nicaragua for a week, and Brutal. I mean, it's uh, he, and he was in his uh, mid eighties at the time. And I I appreciate a guy that is that hardcore though. So I don't I don't look at it like brutal. I look at it like you're you're going to school, you know. And this is how George approached it. It seems in talking to him during the interview and then also afterwards and the next day uh, at the next event. This is what he liked. He he enjoyed being raised that way. Not that it was easy all the time, but and and he's prepping his son. For the same in the thing. same way. This is Maybe the same. a little lighter, but still, there's one way you know, to do it. If you go visit the Padrones down in Miami, almost everybody that's working in the office, you know, he said we have 1,100 people that work for the company in Nicaragua, 40 people in the United States. The majority of that 40 people have the Padrone name, and if they don't have the Padrone name, they're related somehow yep. to it. It's, it is a family business, true and true. Um, and that's what he's gearing up for. This is a family business and has from the start. Here's a little bit of the history right here. Yes, we, we're, we're four. I have a brother and two sisters. So, you know, we all work in the business. And I have a cousin. Um, so my dad, there were three brothers, Estelo, Rodolfo, and my father, Orlando. 
uh, Rodolfo, uh, he, he got them both out of Cuba, and Estelo um, went directly from um, Cuba to Nicaragua. This was like in the early 70s. Estelo worked with my dad for a few years, and then he, he left, and he started working with um, a gentleman by the name of Frank Yaneza. Frank Yaneza was the owner of Villazon. Villazon produced um, Hoya de Monterrey, Hoya de Monterrey Excalibur, Punch, all those cigars. So my uncle became the, the head of his factory in Honduras. My dad sta stayed in Nicaragua with, you know, with his own brand, and my uncle went his way. They, they still remained friends. There was no problem. He just went on his own. My other uncle, Rodolfo, he also brought from Cuba, and he went to Miami and started working with my dad in Miami until he passed away in, uh, in the late 90s. Rodolfo has a son, Rodolfo Jr., who works with us also. So now we have... Myself, my brother, my sister Elizabeth, my sister Lisette, my cousin Rodolfo. That's that generation. Then we have below them, we have Rodolfo's daughter, Kimberly. We have Elizabeth's two uh, kids, Marcos and Melissa. And we have my brother's two kids, Jeffrey and Jessica. So, you know, it's getting big. Um, and then, you know, we have my mother who still comes in and, you know, does her thing, <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> at 83, right. she's still coming in. God bless. And uh, and then we have ants, a couple of ants that are in there too. So I mean, you know, we got about 10, 10 family. And then we have guys like Cesar Gadea, who whose father was the general manager of the factory in Nicaragua in the early 70s, and sta stayed working with my dad throughout the 70s until the war. And now his son Caesar. Also works with us. He's been working with us for about 25 years now. A true family business, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when, if any of you ever, I mean, for those of you that went to Nicaragua and saw our operation, you know, we, we do things a little bit differently. My father always uh, was very big on the family part. I mean, he always said that the Padron family wasn't just the, the immediate family, but it was also our employees in Nicaragua. Uh, many of the employees that we have in Nicaragua are employees that have been with us for over 30 years. All of the heads of every department, production, fermentation, sorting and deveining, packaging, pretty much wrapper, everything, are all people that have been with us for over 30 years. In a couple of cases, we're talking founders. When my dad went to Nicaragua, he had four original employees. Two of them, well, actually, uh, one of them stopped working. Well, now three of them have retired. The last one that retired was about three years ago. She was still with us. Her son and her uh, daughter both work with us now. And the one that's left of the four, there's still one person left working with us from the original four that started working. He's in charge of production. Rafael Gutierrez. And his wife is in charge of all the rapper. He was there from day one. From day one. Wow. So we're back live. That's, that says a lot right there uh, when you have uh, people that work for your company for that amount of years. You're doing something right. Um, they are strict, but I think they're obviously fair to their people. That yeah. they, they stay on the, the uh, 
how it is in Nicaragua right now um, is lots of, you know, we talked about last year, um, last uh, show of uh, all the cigar factories that opened in Nicaragua over all these years and stuff. You, you see that mo most of the companies, um, you know, they, they call it poaching. They poach employees from other companies and stuff, but the majority of people that are with Padron stay with Padron for all those years. So they're doing something right. Um, it, as strict as they are, uh, I think it's a fairness thing that's happening there. He uh, briefly mentioned the people that were in the audience. If you uh, went to Nicaragua Today Factory, we actually did, and I believe it may still be the same way, the only retailer trip ever to Padron that we actually took uh, like 25, 30 people with us and uh, spent a week there with Padron. And uh, when I say with Padron, I mean, we were in their house. We played dominoes with, with the dad. Uh, we got up early in the morning because that's what he said to do, 5 o'clock, and take the ride to Jalapa. Um, you know, I said, nah, some of the guys don't want to take the trip. We're going to Jalapa, period. That's it. Um, even to me, a customer, Saying that I'm, that I'm not doing it. He well, said, you don't, yes, you are. You don't and leave people did. unattended yeah. in Nicaragua. You, yeah. you stay with the group. Yeah, and uh, brutal rides with, without toilets on the way, and it was the way it is. So uh, this is Jose Orlando Padron, a uh, remarkable guy. He didn't speak English, but uh, through translators, we had lots of talks over the years. Uh, he, had, he passed away this December, and uh, the question is, is George ready to take the reins? The last three years, you know, my dad's involvement was not what it was before. I, you know, I've been running the company pretty much for the last three years. Uh, you know, it's just now it's, a, now it's very different. I mean, my dad, even though he wasn't involved in the day-to-day -day stuff and he basically just kind of gave me carte blanche to do what I had to do, I would never make a decision without consulting with him until the last day that he died. Um, so the difference now is that it's it's strange, you know, because not that I don't know what to do, but it's just weird to not have to ask or talk, you know, and run it by. I don't know if any of you have had that situation in your businesses, but, you know, when I had that type of relationship with my father where, you know, I wouldn't go to the bathroom without talking to him about it first. Now it's sort of like, you know, it's, it's I don't know, it's just the strangest thing, you know, and 99% of the time, I would go to him and I would say, look, this is the problem, this is how I think we should fix it, and he would say, fix it. He wouldn't even, like, question it, you know, and knock on wood, you know, we didn't, we haven't really made too many mistakes in terms of, you know, running the company, um, you know, but again, it's just a strange thing. You know, it, it's, it's a dynamic that I have to get used to. I tell my wife all the time, you know, because I worry about everything. I mean, I'm, I'm a very anal guy when it comes to the, you know, to our cigar, our product. I'm like, you know, 100% committed. And, you know, and all of us have businesses and we know, you know how it is. There are some nights where you wake up and you're like thinking and your, your computer starts working and you can't like shut it off. You, you, your mind's just going at a thousand miles an hour. And my wife will turn to me, what's wrong? I'm like, no, nothing's wrong. It's just that I'm, you know, I don't know. I, these things are coming through my mind. I can't, you know, I got to think about it. The difference is that my dad, when that would happen to him, he would just get up and go and smoke a cigar, you know, at 3 in the morning. And he'd smoke a cigar and then go back to bed. I don't do that, but, I mean, you know, I guess those are just normal things that you got to get used to. Is there anything, know? George, that your, your dad and you just could not agree on for forever and now – Maybe you made a change as a result of... Uh... Selling millenniums. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. There's a one thing 
Because we have, we still have original Millennium chess that we have that are our family numbers. My dad wanted to sell. I'm like, Dad, why would we sell that shit? We can't sell those boxes. Like, I have a box that's mine. You know, I have one for my, my, si- my sister has one. And we have these. And he wanted, he didn't, you know, he, I don't know. My dad had a different way of looking at those things. You know, he wasn't attached to that. He just, you know, we should sell these cigars. I'm like, Dad, we can't sell them. So finally we convinced and we were able to come to a, <coughs> a happy medium, which is to say, okay, well, why don't we just sell the excess, these, you know, these four or 5,000 cigars that we have, we'll just sell those. He says, all right, we'll sell that. <laughs> so uh, we're back live and uh, talking to George Padron. We're smoking the Millennium Cigar with him and talking about it. That's uh, something uh, that uh, George did not want to sell, and he, with, with the wishes of his dad after he passed away, said, okay, we're going to do it. The cigar's now $100 a piece. They come in four packs, two natural, two Maduro, and uh, on a once-in-a-while basis or something, they're releasing some of these. Uh, we have none left. We, we had some for that event and had some to sell immediately following it, but they're, they're all gone right now. But right now, what we are smoking is the Perdomo 20th anniversary. This is the Connecticut. Uh, I'm really enjoying it because, just like you said, Jonathan, we're actually getting... Yeah, we can actually uh, smoke the cigar. I, I know what they're going to talk about and what they're going to say, and I'm, I'm you know... Even I, still, I, I, thought, I thought it would be kind of a boring show for us, but even though we lived it already once, it's yeah. still interesting to listen to and, it. And it was interesting for him. After it was over, he said, wow, I could have went on for four more hours and told these stories. The people that seemed to enjoy it, I hope you, the listener, is enjoying it as much as we ended up enjoying it. Uh, and we have lots more to go. We're going to talk about big ring gauges and, and lots more with them. So let's take a break. And when we come back, did Jose Padron, George's dad, smoke other cigar brands? What problems has Nicaragua been? What does it take to make great cigars? And a cigar that you made that your dad didn't want you to make. That and lots more when we come back. We sat down with George Padron, and we have more in just minutes. Stick around. We're live from Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire, the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, and you're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. Stepping into the aging room has a new meaning at Aging Room Cigars, as Rafael Nodal has traveled to Spain, where the idea for Aging Room Solera was born. The Solera method of aging has been used for centuries in the making of wine, sherry, brandy, and rum. The method mixes different vintages, allowing them to age together. For Aging Room Solera, Rafael takes several tobacco vintages and puts them in bales, where they age together for another 12 to 18 months. This allows the tobaccos to marry for a longer period of time. At the end of the aging process, Aging Room Solera becomes a balanced and complex cigar with a fantastic price point. Aging Room Solera, it will have you calling for an encore. In a time where humidors are overflowing and retailers' shelves are on the verge of buckling, there is one brand that stands out amongst the rest. Sereno Cigar Company offers four distinct blends. The Connecticut, the Medio, Maduro, and Maduro XX, all aged to perfection. Crafted at the La Corona Cigar Factory in Esteli, Nicaragua, each artfully crafted blend comes to life by the experienced hands of master blender Omar Gonzalez Aleman and industry veteran Anthony Sereno. To create this 
this masterpiece, a combination of hand-selected filler tobaccos from the fertile soils of Esteli and Jalapa are aged for over five years and then draped with a luxurious wrapper leaf to bring you an endlessly complex and majestic experience. A post-roll aging process of two additional years allows the blend to marry, creating unmistakable and ever-changing tasting notes that tantalize the palate, leaving you anticipating each and every drop. Visit SerenoCigars.com for a list of retailers, and you can always find Sereno Cigars available online at twoguyscigars.com. Sereno, a majestic cigar aged to perfection. You've heard us talking before about the best cigar magazine in the world, Cigar Journal. You want to know what makes Cigar Journal the best cigar magazine? Cigar Journal covers every angle of the cigar world. From exclusive stories and features, insightful interviews with industry power players, detailed cigar reviews, and of course, all the latest news and reports surrounding premium cigars. We're telling you, you will be impressed. Cigar Journal has stunning images, explanations of cigar science basics. This is the magazine for any cigar enthusiast, or better yet, passionado. Cigar Journal covers cigars in the U.S. and around the world and is printed right here in the USA. You owe it to yourself to discover the world's best cigar magazine, Cigar Journal. Available at your local cigar retailer and on the web at their new website, CigarJournal.com. That's CigarJournal.com. You're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. Let me tell you a little bit about the Rocky Patel 15th Anniversary Cigar, or what they call the Three-Peat. Crafted in Rocky's boutique Nicaraguan factory, the 15th anniversary was released in 2010 to commemorate Rocky Patel's 15th year in the cigar industry, and it impressed right out of the gate. The Robusto and the Torpedo both scored 93 points in Cigar Aficionado, while the Toro and Corona Gorda both notched 92 points. The Rocky Patel 15th Anniversary is a robust cigar with notes of toasted spice, roasted coffee, and almonds. Rocky Patel himself has referred to his 15th anniversary as the decade on steroids. The 15th anniversary has also been named to Cigar Aficionado's Top 25 Cigars of the Year list on three separate occasions. Rocky's only brand to accomplish the three-peat. Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary. Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary. Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary. The La Galera Habano uses a classic wrapper on a staple cigar for a classy company. Hi there, this is David Garofalo of the Cigar Authority, and I want, no, no, I need to tell you about La Galera Habano. The La Galera Habano is an authentic cigar elaborated with the hands of the best cigar rollers of Tabacalera Palma in the Dominican Republic. Blended around an outstanding, flavorful Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, the Dominican-grown Corojo binder, and the filler made up of Peloto Cubano, Criollo 98, and Peloto Oro, creating a medium to full-bodied, attractively consistent, and aromatic smoke that envies no other. I love this cigar. Have you tried La Galera Habano yet? Well, what are you waiting for? Available at better cigar shops worldwide is La Galera Habano. The wait is over. La Galera Habano. Justo and his father, Julio Eiroa, are continuing the tradition of growing authentic Corojo and now bring you Aladino. 
Aladino is a true old-fashioned cigar. Pure authentic Corojo grown in the Eiroa Tobacco Farms in Honduras from the original Cuban seed of Corojo. An Aladino cigar represents the golden era of cigars in Cuba and after one light, this old school smoke will bring you back. Aladino cigars come from JRE Tobacco, a family-centered company who manage all aspects of cigar growing and manufacturing. This crop-to-shop operation is fully committed to providing you with quality and satisfaction. The premier Corojo grower in the entire cigar industry is Julio Eiroa, a tobacco grower and master cigar blender who personally guarantees that Aladino will provide you the opportunity to enjoy the true authentic Corojo taste. Take this journey and be part of history in a cigar smoking experience like no other. Aladino. This is good smoke. This is the Cigar Authority. Smoke a cigar? Sure. The authority on everything cigar, in and out of the cigar industry. You'll get nothing and I can. With your host. You smoke vile cigars all day. David Garofalo. Oh, that's fine as long as you're imported. Mr. Jonathan. You should have caught me before my operation. Barry Stein. I never drink. Why? And Ed Sullivan. Might even lend you my light up. So it's time to light them up. Mm -hmm. Good. The Cigar Authority is here. You are finally done to show about nothing. And we are back with our number two broadcasting live from the La Florida Dominicana Cigar Stown stage. We're smoking Nicaraguan cigars and playing some highlights of a three-hour sit-down we had with George Padron. George Padron Jr., his 19-year-old son. Welcome back, everybody. To the Cigar Authority. And you're listening to the Cigar Authority, now in our ninth year, making it the longest continually running cigar podcast. Awarded the Ambassadors of Cigars by Cigar Journal Magazine. Awarded the Top 10 Educational Podcast by Podbean four years in a row. The Cigar Authority is the most listened to cigar podcast in the world. Cigar Radio at its finest. The Cigar Authority is a proud member of the United Podcast Network. Catch the podcast on demand at any time or our daily blog on thecigarauthority.com. Barry, back to the um, Perdomo 20th anniversary Connecticut that we're smoking. Um, first off, I could probably smoke this for another hour. Oh, uh, yeah, that would have made it through the whole show. What size was this? That was the Epicure, which is uh, 6 by 56, 54? 54, I believe. 6 yeah. by 54. Wow, <laughs> man. Talk about a slow burning. Mm -hmm. Maybe because we were actually having time to really smoke it in between the three-minute clips <laughs> and stuff. Really... Uh, I always wondered what it felt like to be a member of the care package, and now we know. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. So we're going to pass out a uh, second cigar, even though uh, we could go on with that. But this is um, something else by Perdomo that uh, most of our listeners don't know about, unless you're part of the care package, because you received this too. Yep, and you got 46 hours, 50 minutes to get into the care package. And uh, it'll be shut off Monday at 12. And today's second cigar is the Yellow Jacket, which is manufactured in Nicaragua by Perdomo Cigars. We're going to be lighting up on the show the 5.5 by 48 Black Hornet, which is a Perfecto. And it features a Nicaraguan Mindoro wrapper over Nicaraguan binder and fillers from Nicaragua and Honduras. It is part of the Cigar Authority Care Package, and a single cigar will set you back 549 like bundles of 20 are $89.99, which is a savings of just over $20 or just over 18% of the single price at twoguyscigars.com. If you're too far away from a brick-and-mortar retailer that carries it, try twoguyscigars.com. That's the number two, 
GuysCigars.com. Well, you're going to have to because we're the only ones that have yeah. this particular cigar. Nick's been making this for us for, oh, my God, probably 15 years or so. Um, this is something I came out with where it was a Doc Maduro cigar, yellow band, yellow jacket. Um, years ago, we, we got to really improve the look of it. Uh, yeah, it's it terrible, but it, I, I remember it, it, smoking the cigar as a customer. Yeah. It's very good. The band reminds me of police caution tape. Yes. Caution yeah. set aside sometimes so you can truly enjoy the cigar. And this is an old-fashioned Perfecto, yeah. uh, you know, pointed at both ends, a small Robusto-type size, but pointed at both ends. Look at the point. Nobody does a point like this cigar, like Perdomo does, all his torpedoes and stuff. He's the champion of torpedoes, and I love this little one. Poke your eye out with that thing. And I've watched them do it before. They just don't make a torpedo. They get scissors, and they cut with scissors the yeah. tobacco to make sure they can do a point like that. It's sharp. Uh, any Perdomo, you go, go to a store, try the Perdomo torpedo. Uh, and, and most cigar brands, the torpedo... They're going to cost more because of the workmanship that gets put into it. And you're saying, well, I'm going to cut that off anyway. Try a Perdomo torpedo of any of their torpedoes. It's the best in the the business, hands down, hands down. Uh, Nobody makes it like he does. So let's give it a cut and light. It's time to cut our cigar. The official cutting brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand while all other brands are raising prices. Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality. Tradition and excellence. Excellence. So the cold draw on this cigar, have you ever had a frosted cherry Pop-Tart? Of course. <laughs> what what d- a question. I wasn't done yet. Yeah. <laughs> but if you take away the frosting oh, and you God. take away the cherry and you have <clears throat> just the cookie. What are you, trying to be me? That's what you get yeah. for the cold draw. <laughs> <laughs> the cookie on a Pop-Tart. It's doughy. But I'm actually picking up a little of the cherry, so... <laughs> do, you to- do you toast your Pop-Tarts or do you eat them raw? Got to toast them. Hang on a second. This, let me teach you guys how to eat a Pop-Tart. They put them in two for a reason. Yes. You toast one while you eat the second one. <laughs> That's the way to do it. And then you have the best of both worlds. You, you can have, have a little Pop-Tart now and... Leave Broken. it to Jonathan to find a way to go both ways. But, Dave, you, you know the best way, right? That way you put butter on it. Have you ever put butter on a Pop-Tart? It's so freaking good. Have you ever put butter on a Pop-Tart? If you haven't, then I think you should. And you must toast it and then put the butter on it just to make sure you say that. I don't know how you get Ed Sullivan to go down the rabbit hole with you so easily. <laughs> yeah. But just be thankful I'm not producing. Speaking of production... Production value of the Big Buddha by Vertigo is second to none. This lighter retails for $39.99. It features four jets, a flip-out bullet punch, an easy adjustment wheel, and single-action striking. The Big Buddha retails for $39.99. Looks like $100 all day to me. Perfect lighter to have on your deck, barbecue season. Keep it out there for you and your buddies. Yeah, you compensating? You have a big deck? I have a big deck. I have a small deck, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> on your double wide. You can put a long deck on your double wide because it's double wide. That's right. So this is part of the Cigar Authority Care Packages, and as Barry said, Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. It is getting shut down. Sorry you didn't make it if you're listening to this after Monday. Uh, we gave you plenty of time, though. Yeah. 
We've had it up there for almost three weeks now. Yeah, so that's crazy talk. And uh, they were begging me as they were filling hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them going that just went out Friday, right? Just went out Friday. Yeah. What are we What are we drinking here? Drinking a caramel macchiato. Macchiato, just a doblet, doblet of. It's an espresso with a doblet of. That's not cream. a word. <laughs> I'm going with it anyway. That is not a word. You made that word up. Doblet. Uh, a maybe a dauble. Dauble. Or a dollop. <coughs> dollop. Could be a dollop. <coughs> I like a macchiato. Yesterday I spoke on the phone with the person that complained about us slurping and chewing. Mm. So I started slurping and chewing oh. while I was talking. <laughs> of course you on did. The phone. Of course you did. <laughs> Thankfully he found it humorous. Oh, good. Good. So um, talking to George Padron and George Padron Jr. We're not getting a lot out of George Padron Jr., but we're going we're to get well, to Well, he's, he's listening to his dad and he's sitting there and being quiet. Um, the, um, I wanted to know what, um, he pushed his father to do that he didn't do. And I was wondering, you know, is there going to be a seven by 70 Padron coming out or anything like that or what he's doing? So his George Padron, you know, my dad, um, <laughs> you have to remember that this whole phenomenon that's happened in the cigar industry in the last 20 years is kind of a very different uh, type of cigar than what my dad used to smoke. I mean, in Cuba, cigars over a 46 ring gauge didn't even exist. You know, when my dad was growing up, you know, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, they would smoke Coronas. I mean, that was the cigar, 42 by 5.5. That's what everybody smoked. Um, as a matter of fact, when I graduated from college, the... 90% of our sales were of cigars that were either a 42 or a 44 ring gauge. You know, we had a couple cigars that were 50, which really didn't sell much. Um, but, I mean, the 90% was, was those thinner cigars. So my dad, he grew up smoking Londres, for example, Coronas, Superiors. In our line now, those are the types of cigars that he, that he grew up smoking. Um, over time... As we started developing these new sizes, you know, he, he obviously enjoyed them. He loved the Exclusivo. Um, he smoked a lot of the Delicia. Uh, he smoked the Principe. You know, he still stayed kind of with the, with the smaller ring gauges. He, didn't, he never really ventured into, like, the big – I mean, he would never – like, a 60 ring gauge for him was, like – uh, you know, that, that's, like, crazy. But, you know, that's and – I, and I told him, I go, Dad, listen, this is a cigar – that will sell. People want it. I, am, I would do events and people would ask me, why don't you make a 60 ring gauge? And I would explain it to them. And, you know, again, that's another thing, too, is you have to know how to ask the questions in a way that you explain things. You know, my dad wasn't a guy like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, let's do it. No, no, he would, he would ask. And he would have to, you would have to explain to him why that cigar, we should make that cigar. And, you know, and, and fortunately, he listened. And which is good because I know I have some friends that, that are in family businesses where, you know, working with a father or a family member hasn't been easy because they, they don't want to change. They don't want to make any changes. And that's not that's very difficult, too. My dad wasn't like that. Huh? Right. I mean, he believed in change when it was a good change, you know, when it was thought out, when it was not just for the sake of changing. But when, you know, when there's a good reason for it and you've thought it out and you, he would listen. But I, I have friends of mine that are in family businesses where it doesn't work because, you know, the son may come with a good idea and the dad just completely shoots it down. And then that's, 
that's a challenge. You know, that's a that's a difficult situation. And I saw a little smirk on his son's face at that point, saying, "I have hope here. Yeah, he's going to be able to jump in uh, if that happens." We're back live. We're talking to George Padron and his son, George Padron Jr. And uh, we're smoking the Millennium at this point, and uh, really enjoying it with a. With a <coughs> A big group uh, of people that we had smoked a millennium with 19 years previous to that. Uh, today, a $100 cigar. So uh, there's value into saving these uh, rare cigars when they come out one time and stuff. You put it away, you got a, a real value cigar. Uh, we, we didn't get a lot into the cigar, but I want to briefly say that um, what, what happens to a cigar after that length of time, and it's, it's hard to remember what it was back then, but uh, you know I haven't always been a fan of full-bodied cigars, and I remember it being a full-bodied cigar. Well, certainly for its day. Right, for, the, for that time. Not so much now. And I had smoked a natural. I know you smoked a Maduro. I smoked a Maduro. It had uh, some punch to it. The there Maduro was, there, did? Yeah, there was, there was a little beef there. Yeah, th this was pretty mild to me it was, uh, for what a Padron is today. Later in the day for me, too. And I probably, that was probably cigar nine or 10, and it still stood up. I mean, my palate was close to burnt out at that point. I probably should have saved the cigar for the next day, but when do you smoke a cigar like that with the guy who made it? Right. That's, that's yeah, when you do it. You're with the Padron, smoking the Padron. Exactly. Yeah, this was the time. But it, had, it, had, it still had plenty of flavor. I mean, it was very present on my palate. There was no bad aftertaste. I mean, it just was, it was a very, very pleasant experience. Yeah. So uh, if, if you were to find a cigar today to say, let, let me put something down for a long period of time, like the Padron Millennium, I would say if you're able to find the Padron 50th yeah. today, find the Padron 50th, that's the one to put down. Even the Padron 80th. Yeah, another, another, another great one. one to put aside and go back to some years later. Be very interesting. I'll be doing it myself, but this is something to look for uh, to do it. Um, now, with um, Jose Padron, the father, uh, wondering if, um, you know, you hear a lot of manufacturers saying that they smoke only their own cigars, uh, and certainly around me, that's yeah. all they would ever, ever do. Um, they don't want to be seen basically smoking other people's cigars. Did Jose Padron smoke other people's cigars? Let's hear that answer. Well, actually, when my dad wasn't smoking a Padron, he was smoking a Dos Hombres. <laughs> we'll cut that for a commercial later. Yeah, we George Padron. <laughs> did, he, did your dad smoke the competitors? Did he care what they were doing? <laughs> That's funny. Because I, I know the my answer dad, to this. My dad never, I mean, no. My dad had a lot of friends in the business. And, you know, Ernie Pérez Carrillo, Lito Gómez, um, Nestor Placencia, all these guys, you know, Carlos Fuente. I'll tell, are, I'll tell you, I, I went to the wake, and they were all there. It was a sea of this industry. It was unbelievable. But, you know, when these people, my dad would call Ernie Pérez Carrillo. He'd say, Ernie, where the hell are you, man? Now that you sold your company, you forgot about us. Yeah. And Ernie would come over. He'd sit in his office. He'd smoke a cigar. Ernie would bring him a cigar. He'd give it to my dad to taste it. And my dad would tell him, hey, this is good. It's not that good. You yeah. got to change this. You know, so he, would, he, would, he was very respectful. Like, he would, he would taste. You know, if a friend would give him a cigar, he would smoke it. But he was never concerned about what his friends were doing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It never, never told affected. You to go out to the store and get me nah, some of these. No, no, no. Never happened. Never. He knew what a good cigar was. Right. I mean, you know, he didn't need to smoke another. He, this is the thing. When you have a product like ours where you know what you want to produce and you know what you're looking for, then 
what other people are doing doesn't really matter, right? Because if I smoke a Fuente right now, am I going to go and make a cigar like a Fuente? I think a Fuente is a cigar that is a great cigar, but it's different than ours. It has a different personality. Right. And I, I don't want to make that. I want to make what, you know, what I like to smoke. And that's kind of how my dad looked at it. He was like, you know, we're going to do what we do. And, you know, I remember he used to tell me a story, you know, many years ago um, when he was just starting off. And, Dave, I don't know how – you've been in the business how long? Since 85. Since 85. Okay. I'm talking in the 70s. In the 70s, the Candela wrapper mm. was huge. I mean, that was very big in the late 60s or 70s. I don't know if any of you may not know what a Candela, a candela wrapper uh, is a, a Candela cigar is a cigar that's made with a Candela wrapper. It's a green wrapper where it's a tobacco that's brought into a tobacco barn and the color is fixed. They dry it by, by in a way that the, the color, the tobacco doesn't change color. Well, that was a huge thing in those days. And my dad tells me a story of someone that came to him in the 70s when my dad was still starting. I mean, he was trying to sell cigars. I mean, and this guy comes up and he goes, no, why don't you make a Candela wrapper? And my dad's like, I will never in my life make a Candela wrapper because I, I would never smoke that cigar. And here's, you know, here's a guy who could have easily made that cigar. He could have bought the wrapper and made it and made a lot of money on it. But he didn't want to do that. That wasn't what he was he there for. Because he don't like it. Because he didn't like it. And he it couldn't. It wasn't about the money. Absolutely true. That's how the dad was. I made an offer to them for an awful lot of money. The biggest uh, purchase order I ever put together in my life. Uh, went down to Miami and sat with him and his dad for the biggest purchase of my life. And uh, I walked out with the purchase order. They, they actually would not make they declined. the cigar. They declined, and it was the father for sure. I made a wonderful presentation, and I just couldn't believe it. And I said, listen, I'm going to be going to other people now and uh, with much, much smaller than they're going to be with open arms. But um, he says, nah, it's just not right for us. Uh, the money was right for him, but um, not the product itself. So it never happened. Uh, that's how he was. That's how he was. Right now, let's find out what's up in the cigar world with Barry Stein. It's time for What's, what's up? up in the Cigar World, brought to you by Recluse Cigars. You want to know what's up? Recluse Cigars is what's up. Voted the 2015 Cigar of the Year is the Recluse Amadeus Reserva Habano. Every Recluse cigar goes through eight, count them, eight fermentation cycles over the course of two full years. They are box-pressed and rolled end to bar for a perfect draw every time. If you haven't done it yet, be sure to try a Recluse cigar today. And IPCPR has announced they will be returning to the Sands Expo Center, located between the Sands and Venetian Hotels, starting in 2019. If you remember, IPCPR was forced to move to the Las Vegas Convention Center, when the expo prohibited smoking at the last minute. The move, which will make some happy, will make others upset, as the show in 2019 is set to run from June 29th to July 2nd, meaning many retailers will be away from their stores during the holiday week, and many in the industry won't get to fly home until the 4th of July. Call me upset. Put, put me in that upset column. Terrible time. I thought the whole debacle with the Sands was somebody offered them more money and bought out the IPCPR, and said, okay... They bought out the time. They bought out that time and said, right. okay, we'll just yeah. give you the money. We want the Sands so Expo Center. we got this lousy 4th of July week time that nobody wants to do a convention at. Mm -hmm. You guys want to take that? And they said, sure. 
Horrible. And the Newman family announced that their Pensa Cigar Factory in Nicaragua will now be known as J.C. Newman Pensa. Pensa is an acronym that stands for Puros de Esteli Nicaragua S.A., which employs over 800 people, and they roll 100,000 cigars per day. They're pushing the J.C. Newman name right now, by the way. I don't know what's going on there, but the, really adding on to that. Are you adding to your buyout uh, conspiracy no, list? No, that, that shows all the more that they want, want to be their own entity. Interesting. And first they started out as Tropical Tobacco Lara, then they would become Casa Fernandez. But now the company, which recently hired Terrence Riley as their sales manager a few months ago, will be known as Agonorsa Leaf. Which that news story, by the way, was broken by the ash holes. Actually, by me on the ash holes this past week. You're a little late to the game on it, that one. It was on CigarAuthority.com that morning. Before you? Before you. Nice. <laughs> nice. He nice try, though. <laughs> the state of Illinois is one step closer to raising the tobacco age to 21 as the state Senate voted 35 to 20 to raise the age, which will now be voted on in the House. If the measure passes, Illinois will join California, Hawaii, Maine, New Jersey, and Oregon as states that require you to be 21 to enjoy tobacco. And lastly, we'll end with a touch of good news for listeners in Connecticut as the state has rejected a tax increase on cigars as well as a purchase age increase. And that's what's up in the cigar world. What's up in the cigar world was brought to you by Recluse Cigars. The Recluse Amadeus Habano Reserva uses grade-A Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, a San Andreas binder, a Dominican Lajero Seco, and Pennsylvanian Broadleaf filler tobaccos, which create a blend we call the Cigar of the Year. Recluse Cigars is What's Up? Looking at our calendar uh, next week, May 5th, I will be back from TAA. I'm actually leaving. Uh, i got a 3 a.m. wake-up tomorrow morning and off to Porta Plata, Dominican Republic, for the 50th anniversary of the TAA. That's the Bacchanus Association of America trade show. I'll come back, and we'll be uh, gearing up for uh, anniversary tickets, the uh, two guys' 33rd right. yeah. anniversary. Tickets will go on sale uh, on May 5th uh, when we do the show. Um, the two guys' 33rd anniversary cigar dinner is going to take place on September 12th. We're giving away a Smokey and the Band of Trans Am. Uh, you're going to have to leave those keys here, by the way, because uh, someone has to drive it while you're gone to make sure that the engine stays in tip-top working yeah, order. It's in tip-top condition, let me tell you. Um, although the... the um, the event is September 12th. The tickets will go on sale May 5th. Important day because typically all the tickets sell out uh, on that day, right. thereabouts. So uh, if you want tickets, stop by any Two Guys Smoke Shop on May 5th. That's next Saturday. Uh, and get your tickets. They're $225 a piece. For that, you'll get a five-course dinner, 17 premium cigars, over 400 prizes. Everybody wins, but only one person will leave with the 1978 Smoking the Bandit Trans Am. Meet and greet all the cigar celebrities. They will include George Padron, Rocky Patel, Nelson Alfonso from Bandolero, Nick Perdomo, Eric Hansen from Hammer and Sickle, Tony Gomez from LFD, Glenn Case from Kristoff, Christian Aroa, CLE, Steve Sacker, Sober Mesa, Hochi Blanco from La Galera, Jose Dominguez, uh, Johan Swan from Davidoff, Tony and Carson Serino from Serino Cigars, Nick Melillo, the wise man, Eric Newman from Diamond Crown Cigars, Justo Aroa from Aladino Cigars. Proud of you. Thank you. And Scott Weeks from Recluse Cigars will all join us for there. Once again, tickets are $225 per person. And if you want to reserve an entire table, you need to buy 10 
seats at once and reserve an entire table for yourself. Um, and that's that for uh, what's coming. I'll, I'll do the show next week of uh, what I've learned in the Dominican Republic, and we'll smoke Dominican cigars. And a Cinco de Mayo, we'll do a little drinking, right? We'll do a little oh, drinking. Oh, God. Uh, because that's what you, you want to happen. Uh, the following week, May 12th, uh, Cigar Rights of America will be a two-year update on the FDA. We'll uh, find out exactly what's going on. Uh, and with us will be Glenn Loop from the CRA. Also from LFD, uh, Stephen, the cigar rep. His last name, Pointier? No right? idea. It's Pointier, I believe is the name. We'll have him on, too. And that will be uh, on the May 12th show. We got lots of, uh, as the weather is breaking, everybody's coming up and wants to uh, be part of the Cigar Authority. Where were you all? Went along, folks. Seriously, when we had no material. Right. <laughs> Where are you at that point? So um, We're going to have to have El Helpo on <coughs> one of these winters. Back uh, sitting with George Padron, and um, while we were sitting with him, um, we were hearing a lot of problems happening in Nicaragua at that time, so we asked him what's going on, what's uh, the problems that have been in Nicaragua, and his George Padron. You know, the biggest problem we had was in the, in the late 70s during the Civil War when they burned down the factory in, uh, in Nicaragua. Yeah. That was in the middle of the Civil War, and, you know, they, they, they torched it. And, uh, you know, my dad was there, and he wasn't actually there when that happened. Um, my dad was actually in, um, this was in 1978. In the high, you know, the, the situation was very unstable. There was a lot of issues going on. And my father had, uh, was in Costa Rica uh, evaluating to see about opening up a factory in Costa Rica because um, this was before he went to Honduras. Because he was seeing what was happening in Nicaragua and he's like, you know, we can't, this, is some, this, this thing's going to blow. It's like a pressure cooker. And he was in Costa Rica, and Cesar Galea's father calls him on the phone and says, Orlando, we lost everything. They burned down the factory. They burned down the warehouse with 800 bales of tobacco. I mean, it's the only warehouses we have left are what's here. My dad immediately got up, went back to Nicaragua. Four months later, they had a makeshift <coughs> opera, uh, factory running in a different location, producing cigars. And, uh, and then a few months after that, they ended up buying, he bought another location, and he started, and he built a factory there. <clears throat> in 1985, we were selling six million cigars a year. Then, the, then Reagan, so, so my dad starts in Nicaragua in 70. He builds up the production. In the, mid, in the late 70s, the Civil War hits. Production goes down a little bit, but they still produce. During the Civil War, we had issues, but production was able to continue. Then the Sandinistas, went, you know, they, they take control, and they're in control of the country. My dad then, um, after seeing what had happened with all of the Cubans that were in Nicaragua, my dad was fortunate enough that he never had any business dealings with Somoza. So my dad then goes back to Nicaragua, and he meets with the general in charge of the whole northern region, the Sandinista general in charge of the northern region of Nicaragua. And they meet in that factory that, not, not the one that they burned, but the one that he set up right after. Yeah. That was, you know, the building. With all of the workers and this general, his name was Elias Noguera. And he asked Elias Noguera, and he said, listen, if, you, if I'm going to be uh, 
a persona non grata here, if I'm going to be someone that's not going to be welcomed here, then you know what? Here are the keys, and I'm out of here. And all of the workers, no, Padron, you can't leave. Orlando, don't Orlando, you can't leave. Elias Noguera turns to him and says, listen, we know that you had no business dealings with Somoza. Uh, we know that you have done this on your own. You've been good to the people. We're going to let you continue working. We're not going to interfere. Whatever you need from us, you'll have our, our support. And then that's when my dad goes back to Nicaragua, you know, because he had spent an entire year without going to Nicaragua. In the mm. you know during this crisis, after they burned the building, he went back, and then he didn't go back again for about a year and a half, because I mean the situation there was chaos. I mean there was a war going on. The workers continued to work, producing cigars. Oh really? Yeah yeah yeah. Everything continued. He was doing it all by phone, but I mean of course he had these people there that he yeah. trusted. So then finally he has this meeting with Noera. Noera gives him the green light. He then comes back and they're working. Then in 85, Reagan places the embargo. When Reagan places the embargo on Nicaragua, then the shit hit the fan. Then we could not uh, export any tobacco out of Nicaragua. We couldn't make any cigars there. So we have to close the factory completely. So this was in, I think this was in May, where he announced it. And we get an extension till September. Because the embargo was effective immediately. I don't know how my we got it, but we got an extension until September to be able to export as many cigars as we could. My dad got X amount of cigars out. September comes around, we shut down the factory. We now shift all the production to Honduras. But when that happened in 85, our production was at 6 million cigars a year. We then go to Honduras, and we cannot export any raw material out of Nicaragua to Honduras. So now we're using our existing inventory of leaf to produce and between 85 and 90 when i started working there the production goes from six million to one million cigars a year when i started working in this company we were selling one million cigars a year so i come here i come on board and i said dad what the hell are we doing here why are we i mean we were at six million five years ago now we're at one million why don't we just get tobacco from honduras from dominican republic he goes, he goes, George, if, we, if I do that, it would change my blends. The tobacco is not going to taste the same. And all of the work that I've done to get us to this point is going to be shot because all these consumers that are smoking this product for what it tastes now are going to be tasting something totally different. I'd rather sell less but maintain the integrity of the brand. Mm. I thought he was freaking nuts. You know, he left a lot of money on the table there. I mean, we went from six to one million. Long-term goal, though. So now, in 1990, Chamorro wins the election. We go back to Nicaragua in 1990. And that's when the whole thing starts again. And we basically start from scratch. In 1990, it took us... We didn't, we didn't reach the 6 million mark in sales until, I think, about 2007. Wow. Yeah. So 17 years to get from 1 million to 6 million. Back to where you were. Back to where we were in 85. Right. Wow. Huh? How many are you selling now? Eight million. But I mean, you know, again, our number, our thing is not that growth. You know, we we're not, you know, if we sell more, we we can sell more. But it's not. That's not the goal. The goal is to maintain the quality. And we're back live. That's George Padron, and uh, turmoil had happened that morning, actually, yeah. uh, in Nicaragua again. 
where uh, they're rioting in the streets and it, it, it's over there. So security system, basically, uh, of what's going there. But history is very important. I hope you find this fascinating as I do because history is a very important thing that happens, especially in these countries, that something like that happened and something else is going on and, you know, history tends to repeat itself. What I should have asked is do they have a stockpile of tobacco oh, hidden do. somewhere in the United States? Oh, so that if they had to go back to Honduras, just as an example, could they just move some inventory over there? And or maybe they have it over there already maybe. or whatever. You know, what, what do you do with this tobacco? It's important. Um, so we're smoking the uh, Yellow Jacket. This is a cigar that's uh, made by Perdomo for us many years ago, probably 15 years ago we made this brand. We still have it out here, and it's the little Perfecto that we're smoking. What are you getting out of this? This is cinnamon, maple, walnut. Ice cream. You got sweetness from the cinnamon and the maple, and the maple kind of takes away the cinnamon bite. You got creaminess coming from the ice cream, and that fatty component from the walnut, cinnamon maple walnut. And no sound effect there. So uh, Ed Sullivan said, "I got I got some some smoky barbecue type of uh, thing happening." Nothing, Ed Sullivan. I, say, I got a very Nothing. distinct note on this size that I didn't get on the other sizes. But there's almost like an oyster cracker finish. And maybe it's a New England thing, but you, you oyster crackers. Are you finding full body to this? Yes. This is a pretty strong cigar. Yes. It's a pretty strong cigar for, and, and again, burning slow. I'm saying it's medium strength-wise. Yeah. It's got, got a lot of body. It's got a lot of character, but I'm not finding it knocking my socks well, off strength-wise. It is somewhat small. Therefore, the nicotine content, what? Would be down <laughs> dramatically <laughs> from all the other cigars. You're going to have a little fun with that, I think, when you do yeah. All right, let's go to break. And when we come back, uh, what does it take to make a really great cigar? Uh, the cigar his dad didn't want to make, but um, what Jose Jr. has learned from his grandfather and a lot more. We're live from the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, and you're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. Let's talk a little about Rough Rider cigars. So here is where the motorcycle culture meets Cigar Nation. This badass-looking cigar uses the name Rough, but delivers a smooth as silk ride each and every time. Even before lighting one, you can't help but notice it's sweet like honey flavor. Smooth and creamy, resembling slightly sweetened butter. Outstanding! The Rough Rider Cigar is so beautiful in so many ways. We're talking a premium cigar, imported, long filler cigar, but wait till you hear the price. Every cigar is in the $3 price range, that's right. Even the Churchill in the 6x60, every cigar is in the $3 price range. Rough Rider Cigars, there's nothing rough about Rough Rider except the name. Rough Rider Cigars. The following message is brought to you by Drew Estate. Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars in the new Drew Diplomat app. Join me, Barry Stein, from the Cigar Authority on Drew Diplomat. As you know, I am quite partial to Liga Pavada number 9 from Drew Estate. So join me for a Liga and share your experience with Drew Estate. And while you're at it, don't forget to check into Two Guys Smoke Shop on the Drew Diplomat app. Drew Diplomat is now available for the iPhone and Android. To learn more about Drew Diplomat, visit Drew 
DrewDiplomat.com. That's DrewDiplomat.com. You must be at least 21 years of age or older and a resident of the United States, including D.C. To be eligible for membership in this program, other terms and conditions apply. Surgeon General warning, cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Since 1903, when La Aurora Cigars first opened their doors as the first cigar factory of the Dominican Republic, they have defined Dominican cigar manufacturing. Now, La Aurora continues that innovation with La Aurora Dominican DNA, featuring an exceptional blend whose soul is the Andullo. La Aurora pays tribute to the oldest Dominican tobacco process with a cigar that features tobacco that is part of their heritage and their DNA. The La Aurora DNA features this hard-to-work tobacco that brings the unique characteristics of strength, inspiring aroma and sweetness that creates an exceptional smoking experience that only La Aurora can bring you. Experience La Aurora Dominican DNA with its Cibao Valley Dominican wrapper, an authentic Cameroon binder from Africa with fillers from the Dominican Republic, Pennsylvania, Nicaragua, and Anduyo. Available at top retailers like twoguyscigars.com and is distributed in the United States by Miami Cigar and Company. It's time to light that cigar and stay tuned. Ooh. The Cigar Authority will be right back on the United Podcast Network. Jose Dominguez, Jose Dominguez, Jose, Jose, Jose Dominguez. What the hell are you doing? I'm writing a commercial for Jose Dominguez. Well, what you should be doing is talking about how good they are. That Jose Dominguez makes millions of cigars for other people, but saves the best tobaccos and the best blend for his namesake. Jose Dominguez, not singing a song, if that's what you think you're doing. What I am doing is creating what is known as a donut. Hey, nobody's going to take away your donuts. No, a donut in a commercial is when it starts with a jingle and then the information comes in and then ends with the song again. The information is the filling of the donut. Why does everything you talk about have to center around food and usually donuts? I don't know. Listen, Jose Dominguez cigars come in four great sizes and two wrappers. The mild, buttery, smooth, natural, and the slightly bolder Maduro. And every cigar is about $5. You know as well as I do, Dave, Jose Dominguez is no $5 cigar. It's worth so much more, it's a sensational value. Okay, here's the end of the donut. You ready? Jose Dominguez. Jose Dominguez. Hi, this is Tony Serino. And this is Carson Serino. From Serino Cigars. You are listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. And we are back, broadcasting live from the La Flor Dominicana Cigar Sound Set. We're playing excerpts from a sit-down with the Padrones, George and George Jr. Welcome back, everybody, to the Cigar Authority. We're smoking Nicaraguan cigars today. This is the Yellow Jacket by Perdomo. Uh, this is my favorite thing about this shape. Uh, it's relevant if you can get to uh, the camera here. When, uh, when it's time to remove the band, boop, it just slides right off. God, no need is, to nick the wrapper. And it is time for me to remove it too, so, so nice. Just slides right out. Love that. Yeah, we're going to have to change the... By the way, the packaging is changing on all cigars because the Surgeon General warning starts in September. So all packaging changes have begun. 
Um, and so are there going to be stickers or something for existing inventory? Does that get slapped on? Existing inventory that's already in the retail shop is okay. All right. But anything that will be coming from the manufacturer to us needs to have the sticker. And how long before those boxes have to be swapped out? Is it? Never. No, I think well, it's once we get them, we're okay. Right, but the ones that are existing on the shelf, for we example, forever. we refill, in the case of Yellow Jackets, we refill that Yellow Jacket box with singles from the new box and it goes in the old box. So how long before the old box has to be swapped out? Two years. Out? I don't think ever. Two years. Why? All existing, all existing inventory has to be up to date within two years. You'll be from the retailers. You'll be allowed to sell through. You'll be able to sell through what you have. But after X amount of time, it needs to be all replaced by the surgeon. Otherwise, otherwise, retailers would just be able to keep the existing box on the shelf. So, so it's a two-year so window. These retailers that are hanging on to product for the longest time, collecting and all this stuff, yeah. you're not going to be able to sell the stuff after. Unless you, slap right. unless you slap the sticker on the box. All right. Unless the retailer slaps right. it on yep. there. Really? Yep. The measurements were on all the right. FDA site. So what does it take to make a great cigar? Let's listen to George Padron. No, I mean, making cigars is not the hard part. The hard part is, is getting the tobacco to make great cigars. The hardest part is that. I mean, the key to making great cigars is the pre-industrial part of it. I mean, obviously, you have construction issues that can come up, but those can be controlled, you know, through different measures that you can put in place. But if you don't know what you're doing in terms of fermenting tobacco, you're done. I mean... Well, I mean, he was always a cigar smoker. Yeah. You know, he knew how to make cigars because in Cuba, they all made, you know, that. They, remember, you live on a farm, you, you're making cigars. You, you're tasting the tobacco. So, I mean, you knew how to, he knew how to make cigars. But what he did, what he knew for certain was that the, the cigars that were available in Miami in the early 60s were terrible. And he knew that there were many Cubans coming from Cuba that knew what a great cigar was. And he said, you know what, they're going to miss Cuba, but I don't want them to miss their cigars. That was his, his you know, that's what he, ke he kept saying, man, I can't find a cigar here that, I, that satisfies me. And that's what, you know, motivated him to start the company. And he kept the cigars always the same. We're back live. Um, he, he wanted that cigar to be what it is. And I know, I know that the Padrones are going to keep it the way it is. You know, you always worry when the matriarch of the family, or in uh, this case, the patriarch, patriarch of the family, uh, passes away, that all the changes are going to be happening. Certainly not in this generation. Right. Certainly not. And uh, we'll hear from his son and see if he's going to change in a minute. But first, it's time for the Don Raphael Offer of the Day. Brought to you by Don Raphael Cigars. Everyone has a price. Would you do this, gentlemen? And if so, for how much? $1,000. Swish for one minute as a mouthwash made of ghost peppers and chili extract and bourbon. Swish it around one minute in your mouth. Bourbon's in it, Barry, so you're okay with that. But you got ghost peppers and chili extract. And you get to spit it out. After one minute. Is it all equal parts or is it more bourbon than the other stuff? I'm going to say probably equal parts. Yeah, let's go with equal parts. Uh, I'll pass. I'm in. Swish it around. If you end up going 50 seconds, you lose. No, nope, I can do it. You can do it. I can do it. You want? You got a thousand bucks? Because your, your pores are going to open up with the Whatever. alcohol content in it. Um, I'm in. Swishy, swishy. You won't make it. 
yeah, even though it's diluted at that point. You guys have you have you no just, idea you what see, you're dealing with when it comes to resolve. You see people going to the hospital over the ghost pepper all the time. From uh-uh. trying to eat it. This is just a mouthwash. But the thing that kills you isn't trying to eat it. It's when the seeds nah, hit your tongue. Nah, see, because your mouth, your mouth can handle more than your throat can handle. When you swallow, that's the burn that happens. Ed Sullivan's the chef. Can you, well, can you swish it around in your mouth or not? No. You can't do it. No, but Jonathan has experience with his throat and swallowing, so of course he could do it. You don't have to swallow. <laughs> you just swish and spit. You're going to wind up swallowing some of it no. even accidentally. No. I'm in. Really? A thousand bucks? Yeah. I got the technique. It's called oil pulling for afterwards. There's no time that, uh, of time that has to go by. That was your mistake. You didn't put a time for afterwards. One minute. Dump a little coconut oil in my mouth, swish that around. I'm golden. I got a G note, and I'm going to go out and find a place to invest because now I'm smarter than when I was 21. Yeah, so Dave, I'll connects. go half with you to do this. Yeah, without a doubt. But I don't want him to go to a hospital. I don't want him to do something that's actually. Has I wouldn't want any physical damage. But There's I no want, damage. I wouldn't want a lesson taught. Yeah. Oh, please. I'll teach you a lesson about don't bet against me when it comes to pain. I can take it. All right, so is there a cigar that the. Uh, that uh, Jose Orlando Padron's father did not want to make, but they made it anyway. Let's find out. The 80th. The 80th was a fucking struggle, man. My dad did not want to make that cigar. I said, Dad, I'm going to make this cigar for you. And we're going to call it the 80th, and it's going to be awesome. Just relax. Oh, no, it's a difficult cigar to make. It's going to come out plugged. It's not gonna. We're gonna have problems with it. People are gonna get angry. My dad, we're not gonna make a million cigars of this. This is a small production. We'll make what we can, and if it doesn't work out, we'll, we'll we won't make it. Simple as that. But let's try it. Has your sales pitch to him had, had it ever been? We'll just smoke them if it doesn't work out. We won't make that well, many. I mean, and that we'll was just a, smoke that them. was a fallback position, right? <laughs> That's what we always said internally. We're like, well, we make cigars that we like to smoke, and the rest we sell, right? If we can't sell them, we smoke them. But um, you know, the 80th turned out to be a tremendous. I mean, that cigar is a fantastic cigar, and knock on wood, we've never had any problems with the construction. I got a you picture know? of your dad with a wheel of 80s, with the biggest smile on his face, yeah. holding it, so proud of it. So this is something you pushed him through and you did and he, right. was, he was very proud of it. I wish I had the picture right here to show you. The grin on his face. Uh, very happy about it. That's another thing about him. He would never compliment like outwardly. He would never say, hey, good job man. You did an awesome job here. But if you fucked up but if you fucked up man, it was like <laughs> it was like a tornado coming at you. But if you did a if I see, and that's another thing too. I already knew, you know, I understood that. I didn't need that, which is a good thing. That's why we got along so well because I didn't need that. I knew that just by him not saying anything, I was doing good. That's the compliment. That was a compliment. That, yeah. <laughs> but not everybody in the in the family ha- is the same. Some people need that. Hey, you're doing a good job. You're doing great. You know, that wasn't him. He wasn't raised that way. Yeah. You know, he was raised by his father on a farm with all his brothers. I mean, it, he didn't have a mother there. You know, usually the moms are the ones that are, you know, the, the dad was a tough guy and the mother was the one that kind of massages the situation. He didn't have that. He was always, you know, the, his father was always the one that was hammering him for everything. But, they, you know, it taught him a certain way of thinking and I, you know, that stays with you. It makes you tougher. 
I don't look, know what that's like at all. No, no. Working with someone who doesn't pass out compliments. If you're not hearing from really? you. We're back live, and uh, that's uh, George Padron talking about his dad. Uh, and very fondly, even though he's saying that's the way he was tough and all that stuff, uh, was part of his charm. So that's what I'm going with. Yeah, right? going, going back to passing out compliments, I got a text of a compliment the other night from, from, from someone. Really? So, yeah. So. Were they drinking? Uh, were you drinking, Dave? No, you did a great yeah, okay. job, though. There you did go. a great See? job. Compliments. Right now, it's time to take a peek into the asylum <laughs> from our friends at Asylum Cigars. They're coming to take me away, ha-ha. They're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee, ha-ha. To the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time. And I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats. And they're coming to take me away, ha-ha. It's time for news from the Insane Asylum. Are there sometimes historic news stories that are too insane to be true, or are they? Brought to you by Asylum Cigars, Take No Prisoners. Asylum Cigars are truly flavorful, medium-bodied Nicaraguan cigars with sizes ranging from 4x44 to the absolutely insane 8x80 Asylum Cigars. The Magic Kingdom is about to get more magical for our own Mr. Jonathan as Hollywood Studios is opening a new Toy Story land and to celebrate, they erected a giant woody for their new attraction. The wood was unveiled in the morning this week and it measures 20 feet tall. As for the girth, let's just say, Mr. J, this one will take you to infinity and beyond. And that's not only insane, it's Asylum. They're coming to take me away, ha-ha. They're coming to Woody, take me Calico. away, ho-ho. That's how we went there, right? Farm where life is beautiful all the time. And, and it was unveiled in the morning, so that makes it morning wood. I always, know, I always know that it's going to be a decent one when his live read sucks. When he, he goes back into his sing-song. Those that are watching on the video portion of it on YouTube sees the little grin on his face. Right. That he pulled one off on you. got another good one in or something. That, so that's what that's about. So very quietly, George Padron Jr. sitting on the side, and we're trying to get some information for him. So finally, sitting quietly, uh, we ask a question, uh, what he learned from his grandfather. So here he is. The biggest thing I learned from him is probably to respect everyone. Because I, I learned it probably when my first trade show, and I saw the amount of people that had come up to him. Because like, this is when he, when, he, when he first started using his little uh, electric scooter to move around. And like, people came to like, and, and we were walking through the trade show, and uh, just like, dozens of people just come up to him and like, shake his hand, take pictures, like, tell him like, how great of a person he is. Um, and he'd always, just, like, he'd always just tell you like, to remember, like, just respect, like, respect everyone. Respect just like what they what they've like if they've helped you like like to bring you up to be, be grateful be grateful exactly and he and there's someone that uh, um, Volsky George Volsky is one is a is a man who who helped my grandfather uh, early on in the business and he has nothing to do with the business anymore but he's still on the payroll because <laughs> my grandfather respects him and he respected that he helped him out at one point and he will never forget that so it's definitely something that I learned from him. Respect everyone who helps you. Find me. No, but you know that 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 George Volsky story is a good story. So George Volsky was a writer for the New York Times, and in the actually George Volsky's in the book. If if any of you have the book, you'll see in the picture where my dad's handing Fidel the cigar. The next page, there's a picture of a journalist interviewing Fidel Castro, and that's George Volsky. George Volsky was a correspondent for the New York Times, who was based out of Miami. George Volsky wrote a story 
on the Cuban immigrants' surge in businesses in Miami, and he highlights Padron cigars. And that for my father was, imagine, New York Times, 1971. My dad doesn't have two nickels to rub together, and this guy writes a story. It was like, I mean, be huge. So my dad, to this day, George Volsky is still alive. George Volsky is 96 years old, right? He still comes to our office every week. And every, every month, he gets a paycheck. Since this is, we're talking 2018, it was 50, what, I don't know how long ago this was. But one day, we're in the office. It was like 10 years ago. And we're in the kitchen, and we're having lunch. And my sister, Elizabeth, who's, who's the one that writes the checks, comes into the back kitchen and says to my dad, Dad, until when are we going to be giving George Volsky this check? My dad was eating lunch, right? Man, I thought he was going to blow a gasket. <laughs> he just kind of like stopped. He looked, at, he looked up at her and he goes, you know what? You're going to write that check until the day he dies. And the day that he dies, you're going to keep writing the check to his son. Just like that. Because when, when nobody helped me, this guy helped me. And, you know, I'm never going to forget that. And you better never forget that either. That's all he said. All quiet. It was just, <laughs> it was like not even, I was there and I'm like, holy shit. You know, I would never have asked that question. I mean, my yeah. sister's a fucking idiot. I mean, I mean, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You're going to ask, he's going to throw something at you. Be, be careful. So there's, there's something, right? Never, never forget where you came from. Never forget the people that helped you. These are all the lessons that are being learned. Loyalty, too. On. And that's, yeah. that's something that I'm fortunate, and I'm not patting you on the back for the sake of patting you on the back, but that's how you live your life. The people that were there for you when you needed it, you're there for them forever. Yeah. It's, it's a, definitely a trait that anybody should have. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be an old lost art or something. If you're not doing it now, just remember where you came from and, yeah. and the battle that came on. If somebody helped you and if they need help, 90, I mean, they probably never figured the guy would be 96 and still coming in for the monthly check. But, hey, congratulations. He is. But to, to the next degree of after he passes away, give it to his son. Well, yeah, because you just pissed me off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was him. So, um the last thing, as, as we're wrapping it up, um, you know, I talked to him about this industry, and you, you hear about this industry, and you hear the word relationships that happen. Uh, it is a industry of relationships. And I, don't, and I don't care. People say it in other industries and stuff. I've been in other businesses and stuff. There's nothing like the cigar industry. And it is the relationship, not just uh, to the manufacturer, to the retailer, but the retailer to the consumer. And it's just all full, even consumer to other consumers. It's all relationship right. uh, as it goes on. And that's what we talk about here in the last clip. Well, listen, I've been with Dave now. We've been selling you cigars for, I remember when I went to your first shop. The first time I saw you at a trade show. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what you've done here, not only <clears throat> in terms of building this business, but in, in cultivating the relationships with your customers. When, when I go to that event in September and you, you know, that friendship, that camaraderie that you, that you create amongst your customers is exactly what the cigar business is all about. You're right. You know, and that's a very special thing. You know, you're a person that, that is looking ahead. You're, you're a person that doesn't copy what other people do. You look to, to do your own thing, which is a breath of fresh air in this business because, unfortunately, a lot of people here copy what everybody else does. Nobody, right. nobody thinks. Nobody does anything new. You, on the other hand, do everything different. 
I mean, not everything, but a lot of the things. Yeah. You think outside the box, and, and I admire that, you know. I was telling Jorge Luis over here. When on the way over here, I'm like, you're going to meet David Garofalo. He's been a customer for a long time. He's someone that is a great operator. He knows what he's doing. He's got a great staff, and he's a person that is a marketer. Like, you know, he knows how to sell. He knows how to, how to create that environment. He knows how to cultivate friendships, and that's, uh, I mean, for me, it's been a pleasure to work with you yeah. for all these years and, and to see our businesses grow together and to, at the same time, you know, be able to cultivate all these friendships and to see that the people are still involved, they're still smoking our cigars. It's a beautiful thing. Well, uh, we're not going anywhere. It doesn't look like you're going anywhere. Um, thank God. Um, you know, there was lots of rattle. Your father passed away and rattles out there. It's, oh, they're going to sell out. They're going to, it's the end no. of this or whatever. And, and I'm like, oh, no. You know, you always worry, but I hope, I hope it doesn't happen. But very valuable company here. Anybody would love their company. It would actually change anybody's company to have a Padron brand on it. I mean, listen, you, you, you work all your life to build certain things. Um, eight years ago, I said to my dad, Dad, we need to buy farms because if I'm going to stay in this business long term, I want to make sure that I have access to tobacco. That's the, that's the one thing I cannot play around with. I got to have tobacco. We bought the farms. Th this is a long-term game here. We haven't made any decisions here that are short-term decisions, you know? And that uh, I can guarantee you that as long as I'm around, things are always going to continue to stay the way they are. We're going to be focused on quality, not quantity, which is one of the things that my dad always talked to me about. Don't ever focus on the quantity of the cigars that you produce. The important thing is the quality. And that's a message for this guy. You know, maybe one day he may not want to get into his business. I'm not going to force him to get into his business. If he gets into his business, it's because he wants to get in, into his business. Because you can't, you can't be wishy-washy here. You know, you know what I, mean? what I you like? I know what you, what you, you know want. You know what I liked what you said to him? For him to get into this business like you did, he has to earn, earn it. Right, of course. It's not going to be. Give it's it not going to be handed to you. You got to earn your way in, even though you love him. He's your son, of course. Yeah, I mean, I was fortunate in that I earned it, and I had the opportunity to work with my dad. He's going to have that opportunity eventually, and and we'll see what happens. He may not want to, right. to work in the business, and I'm not going to force him to work in the business. But um, you know, those are things that happen, and you got to let you you got to you got to worry about what's best for everyone. You know, in his case. It may not be the best thing for him, and I'm fine with that. I want him to be happy. That's George Padron and George Padron Jr., and that's uh, I'll sit down with him. I hope you found that enjoyable as we did. Uh, it was re Even uh, George and George Jr. found it very yeah. enjoyable. Uh, they did not know what to expect when I had them come sit up here. Uh, we don't want to do that. We just want to mingle the crowd. And I said, "Now nah, let's just do this um, so that it can hear you better and we could capture the audio for it and be able to um, share it with you guys. So uh, they're a family company. They're a great company. They've been doing all the right things for us. We have a great relationship. Uh, you don't see George out there on the road very much, so it was an honor to have him here. And, Absolutely. And thanks for having him up there. Uh, final thoughts here on the uh, Yellow Jacket by Perdomo. Sticking to my guns. It's Cinnamon. It's maple walnut. It's ice cream. Is it all still day, medium bodied? Every day. Is it still yeah, medium? Yeah, it's it, it's it's got a lot of flavor to it, but it's not 
It's not nicotine strong. I'm not going to say full-bodied. I'm going to say medium to full. It, it's because yeah, I'm down it, at the very end. I'm it, able to still tolerate it. But it, it's, I got no heaviness on my chest. Yeah, and listen, some of Nick's, some of Nick's Maduro's are, are a little strong. Yeah. This is six to seven on a scale of ten, which puts it medium to full. And yeah. I'm getting a little bit of coffee, some leather notes, um, a little bit of dark chocolate. It's enjoyable. Leather. A little bit on the finish. How is he not getting the crickets for the leather, Ed Sullivan? Well, he's correct. Because he's it's correct. Not. That's why he's <laughs> correct. All right. So, anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show, everybody. Next week, I will be back from the Dominican Republic and the TAA. That's the Tobacconist Association of America. I'll tell you what happened, uh, what's happening in the future. I'll uh, have my ear to the ground, whatever I can pick up. And uh, we'll light up Dominican cigars. We'll talk about the Dominican Republic. Until then, you've been listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. And it's quite possible that you learned nothing else in the last two hours. Although this was an action-packed show. It's possible. Yeah. But always remember to keep the lid end out of your mouth. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.